Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Q&A episode of Weekly Manga Recap for May 2018 Extra Bonus Length Edition. I'm here with Chris. Extra girth for all of you. Yeah, and ribbed for her pleasure. Yeah. So, Nick, I'm about to open an energy drink. This is one of those super large monsters, though. And I want—I was saving it, because if you've never heard it before, opening one of these things sounds like a grenade is going off. Okay. And I, I want to... to to do it here so you can hear it so i'm going to try to make it so it's not too loud but people who have sensitive hearing you may want to turn away but i just want to know it it feels like a grenade going off that that sounded like it was uh it had some thrust behind it kind of it's it's there's mist and steam coming out of it it's like i opened like a, a potion from a mad scientist's lab and now i'm putting it all into my body Okay, then. What's up, Nick? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. That's uh, good. I, I, uh, I wish that I had gotten more sleep. Um, we all. Yeah, I, I got a call from my boss at noon, which to me is is, is the equivalent of three in the morning. Um, so I didn't get as much sleep as I, as I would have liked because I spent about two hours after that point trying to get back to bed. Mm. But I'm here now. Yay! Let's... So Let's do it, Chris. Let's do it. Nick, got a very important question for you. Okay. Were you spared by Thanos? Uh, I'm here now, so... No, you have to go to didthanosspare.me. Okay. Or did, or did Thanos kill Did, did Thanos kill me? me. Yeah. Did Thanos kill you? Bah, 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 bah. Find out here. Yeah, you just type did Thanos kill dot me. I was spared by Thanos. There you go, Nick. You were spared. Yeah, well, look I'll, at that. I was not as lucky this morning. Well, 50%, Chris. So there you go. I know, right? The odds were relatively in my fa uh, favor. No, they weren't. They were in nobody's favor. They were literally 50%. Uh, that's not how I want to think about it. This isn't just... the, it's not the Hunger Games, Chris. And yeah. the Hunger Games, 25 of those 26 kids die. <laughs> it's a rough time for them, but hey, screw them. How, how did you like Infinity War, Chris? I liked it a lot. I, I don't want to get into spoilers too much, because there may mm -hmm. be some people listening who haven't heard it yet or watched it. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I enjoyed it immensely. It was as bad as perfect as I've, I've seen an MCU film get in my mind. Um, yeah, that's very high praise. I'm usually extremely critical of movies. Like, even Winter Soldier, which is, to date, probably my favorite MCU movie, I mm -hmm. still left the theater originally having some, like, big issues, but I, I haven't found any massive problems with Infinity War that, like, nagged at me or anything like that. It really just flowed so well. I don't... The, the problem that I had with it had nothing to do with it as the way it was put together, really. It was just that, like, I kind of knew from the beginning, like, okay, this is uh, probably going to have very little consequence in terms of the, what it's actually trying to claim that it will have. So I, I just got into that mindset of, like, I'm not going to buy any of this. <laughs> well, I think... I was one of the very few people in the theater who felt that way, though. A lot of people died in, in the movie that had a tremendous emotional toll on people, so... I think it's worth noting that even some of those people who are definitely not going to stay dead 
because mm-hmm. they can't. They're in control right. of the future. <laughs> uh, I will note there definitely do seem to be, I think, significant deaths in there that are going to stay. Oh, I'm sure that, and they, that there the will be, yeah. the very well may feature more, because uh, <laughs> I would love the idea that at the end of the movie they were like, well, spoilers for the Infinity Wars, guys. At the end of Infinity Wars, they were just like, well, he won, and Thanos just gets to live out the rest of his days with a glass of ice, iced tea on a planet, just like drinking and looking over. He's like, "Well, good job, me." Just it's it the, the, the the entire second movie is just the heroes occasionally, uh, you know, just spending the entire two and a half hours trying to figure out a way to undo all this stuff, and meanwhile, Thanos is just like, "I won," and nobody ever finds him. <laughs> they shove. Can we have the gauntlet? No. <laughs> and then they leave. <laughs> He snaps his fingers and teleports them away. <laughs> oh, but I want it! Teleports them into, like, a giant pile of poop. Oh! Teleports them to the acid dimension and then says to himself, why doesn't everyone just do that this right is away? so good. Just always do this. <laughs> uh, but I will say that I, I've seen some people make making criticisms of them. Just like, okay, clearly we were not watching the same movie. You were not paying attention during... It was, <sighs> It's like, oh, why did they try and make Thanos sympathetic? They didn't. They tried to explain why he thinks the way he does, which is the way an insane person thinks. His name, guys, his literal title is the Mad Titan. He is not to be seen as a voice of of truth. He's an awful person. They gave him complexity. How How dare they claim that he loves his daughters? He doesn't. He just thinks that he does and is convinced that he does because he's insane. (laughs) He has a very twisted sense of love. And this is nothing new to the MCU. They've had a lot of these characters. I mean, we just had Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which featured a character on a similar insane wavelength. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to say like they try to do some of the themes that have been executed better in in other Marvel films, I totally agree. Uh, I think that the level of tragedy that they were going for was done much more effectively in other films. And I felt that the biggest problem with this movie is just that it was literally too big. Like, I, I think that the problem with the movie is literally that you could never actually do a movie of this scale in two and a half hours. There are too many characters. Um, and they did the best that they could. Uh, they gave some good stuff to some member, members of the cast. But everyone in Wakanda is literally just there for an action scene, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I still liked it. I had a great time going to see it. Uh, but it did not hit me on nearly the same level as, uh, as uh, basically the three previous uh, films from the MCU that I've seen in a row did. I think it's three, three in a row. Because I think the last three were Guardians and uh, Thor. And Guardians, Thor. Thor, and Peter Parker. Uh, oh, I haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming. So I don't know. Black Panther. Yeah, I haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming. but okay. uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is really good. So there you go. Uh, I think that that's all oh, that we'll, we'll spare to that because we could very well just turn this entire thing into a two hour long discussion of the movie. There is enough there, I think. Uh, we are big, both big uh, Marvel movie watchers, but uh, I think that we'll just get into it. Yeah. All right. We uh, have some questions here that we're going to be answering. Yes. Uh, I think that the first one, as we went over this earlier, I think that the first one we we're doing is from Now 4, uh, the one titled Saddest Villains. Yes. All right. Uh, you want me to start this off then? Sure. Okay. 
Uh, Dear Nick, how's renting out your chest cavity to Team Rocket going for you? And Chris, I'm really regretting it. Like once a week, oh no, my nips are blasting off again. You gotta do it like they do, Nick. Like, oh no, my nips are blasting off again. Twinkle. <laughs> it's not far enough for me to get this question in since December of 2016. Well, why didn't you ask it in December 2016? <laughs> and one of Team Four Star's DB Sembers, they counted down the top villains from Dragon Ball, and during the entry for Emperor Pilaf and his gang, they said that Team Rocket probably has more legitimate wins than these guys. Which got me thinking, can you think of any villain groups that are more pathetic than Team Rocket? Uh... And side note is for Chris, he said groups, so you can't say Captain Phasma from Star Wars. Oh. Good job heading off there. She, she would be a great answer. Um, hmm. I went with Execution from Bleach. Oh. Because okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they don't win anything. Uh, <laughs> they, they fuck with Ichigo for a little bit, but once they're actually confronted, they lose everything right away. So there you go. I think that the one that comes the closest to victory is uh, yeah, Ruruka because she manages to like put a soul in Rukia so that she can pop out and absorb a hit, which doesn't kill her because she shows up in the next arc anyway. <sighs> Such a bad arc. All right. Uh, one's not coming to me immediately. Like I can think of a lot of shitty villain groups, but they're always so temporary. I'm trying to think of one that actually stuck around for a while. Mm-hmm. Can... Chad's not a villain group. <laughs> he doesn't count. <laughs> That's um, even worse than Captain. Honestly, Fasma, y- you know what? And maybe it's even still fair to do it, but I'd say Eyes of the Midnight Sun were pretty close there for a while, and maybe even still mm. are, as being just a pathetically bad villain group who just never get any real wins under their belts. Leashed in yeah. particular until the Wizard King thing yeah. was just a joke. Well, so. and that's still their that's still like their most hands down victory, because even at the point where we're at where it looks like, oh my god, all these, you know, possessed super powerful mages are gonna turn on their allies. Well, Asta's going around fucking all of them up now. <laughs> they can't even get you know correctly. <laughs> so I guess we'll see on that, but mm-hmm. I think that that's still a, a work in progress, you know. But definitely they haven't had very many uh things swing their way mm. so far. Okay. All right. So let's go to some questions here from. I don't see a name in this one anywhere. So uh, we'll just say from uh, August, last name withheld. So, dear. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, wait, no, on. I, 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 your eyes. That's got to be a song. I'm not getting. It's from De- it's from Dexter's Laboratory. Oh. Or it's, I don't think it was originally I, from Texas Laboratory, but that's where I know it from. I assumed that was a, a reference why, to Alpha. It's a YII, your eyes, your eyes and knit ties. Whoa, 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 I don't know. Okay. And Rolo Poli, Roly Poli Oli T. Alright. Uh, question one, this is one you'll have to think about. You're tasked with making a new family that you'll live with. The classic nuclear family, mom, dad, sister, brother. Bonus if you want. Uh, I'm going to decline that. But... <laughs> Taking your picks from manga, who will be the members? The rules that they have to fill the role in their series that you give them. For example, Zoro cannot be cast as a brother since he is an only child. Luffy works, though. So basically, in order to actually be a sibling or parent, they have to be a sibling or parent within 
their actual universe and series. It could be adopted like like Luffy is, but they actually have to have that. They have to actually be a brother or whatever. Okay. Hmm. That's an interesting twist on the things. Uh, I spent some time thinking on this, and I was like, I can't come up with any parents that I really would feel very comfortable with having around me. There's so many bad parents or dead parents in, in manga. Well, you could put, like, um, Byakuya from uh, Dr. Stone as your dad. He was pretty good. Uh, yeah. He was uh, he was kind of like a good dad, you know, encouraged his kid. Inko uh, from My Hero Academia. Very loving and, and doting and supportive. Uh-huh. Uh, I did come up with, uh, for a brother, uh, Katakuri from One Piece. Yeah. Very good brother. Bad, good badass brother. brother who will protect me. Who would be a good sister? Um, I mean, you could just say, like, Onodera. She was a sister. That's true. She was. She'd be, like, a very sweet little sister. Like, I don't I'm, really I'm, like try- I'm trying to create a family that's not shitty. <laughs> like, I get an opportunity for a new family. Why don't I not? Nami is a sister, too. You could be Nami. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. It's, it's really easy to forget when the when a character is a sibling if their siblings in the series are dead. So. <laughs> Nami's sister's not dead. I was, I was she, thinking of her mom. She yeah. just hasn't shown up since. She hasn't shown up in eight hundred <laughs> chapters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forgive me for forgetting her. Uh. Who else that silly? Um. Oh, Hinata has a sister, doesn't she? Who's Hinata? From Naruto, Chris. Oh, right. Well, there's a lot of Hinatas. There's a Hinata. It is true. There's a, there's a male Hinata I, in. Yeah. IQ. That's what I was thinking of at first. I was like, what? I guess Hinata would be an, an okay brother, maybe. Like, Do have siblings? I can't remember. I feel like there might be one, but I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I can't think of anyone else. I mean, like, you could do cousin. The only cousin I could think of would be Alice or... Uh, Arena. I don't want either of them as family members. There's that odd limit of sexual tension mm-hmm. with cousins. I don't want to. You suggested change. Nami, and you have. <laughs> I originally suggested Onodera. You know, a very. You did, but then you just oh, you go Nami. I said Nami because char- that character that I have a statue of her taking her shirt off. I didn't buy it. It was a gift. You still have it. <laughs> Stop looking at your sister that way. I can't help it. I can't help who I am, Nick. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, question two, JoJo part four, opinion. Koichi should have been the one to die instead of Sugichi. Uh He unlocked the final form of Echoes and had his cool moment against Kira. Kira killing Koichi would have made him a bigger bastard than it was before. It would give time for Sugichi to develop into a bigger hero rather than a guy who just picks up some paper and then blows up. Remember that Sugichi is introduced and literally gets killed in the next story arc. Koichi does barely anything after Kira initially gets away, and what he does with Echo's gravity power, Harvest could probably replicate. Yukako could have also have a bigger revenge role in defeating Kira. All this, and Koichi literally got stabbed in the gut by a serial killer and bled out for 20 minutes before anyone helped him. He should be dead. Thoughts? Why don't you like Koichi? <laughs> I can understand somewhat of the sentiment here of they wish that Shigichi had had a more prominent role before he died. And I will say that of the characters who die and their death is meant to be a big tragic part of their like JoJo arc, 
Shigichi is probably one of the few that really doesn't hold a ton of weight to him because you're not that attached to him. Uh, most of the time, they usually try to be somebody who's been a part of the group for a little bit longer. So mm -hmm. I can totally understand that. Sugichi didn't have a ton of kind of character to him. But um, I don't know if I want Koichi to die instead. Um, yeah, I, I do feel... Look, and this is kind of for somebody who does not like Koichi that much. Uh, I'm fine with Koichi living. You know, I, I think Echoes and everything about mm -hmm. it. Clearly, he was a popular character because he fucking was all over that goddamn series. And I imagine mm -hmm. a lot of kids were able to relate to him because Koichi was despite being like what 17 or 18 he looked like he was 12 so <laughs> a lot of people could really kind of audience surrogate onto him these two very normal high schoolers the the three foot tall koichi and the eight foot tall just kidding <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh i i liked koichi's role in jojo part four uh i I remember putting in my notes when he first showed up. I was like, okay, when is this kid going to die? <laughs> um, but the fact that he stuck around in order to develop himself was a very pleasant surprise and one of the aspects of part four that I actually quite enjoyed. Um, you know, having this very normal role, uh, but also that ended up, you know, having a power of his own, did have his fights that he got into and managed to win uh, and uh, developed over the course of the arc. Uh, so I, I was very pleased with the, with his role in the story. It was nice to have that normal, uh, point of view character who wasn't just there to be a wimp. Yeah. So, uh, and question three, don't know if this is spoilers. It's not, so don't worry for part six. Jolene is cool, but what if Shizuka was the main character in stone ocean? I imagine point of character as the best power for escaping an inescapable prison could make for some interesting stand battles. What do you think? I definitely agree in the idea that I wish Shizuka has showed up at some point in the JoJo Extended Universe. That, you know, she never actually appears again. This, you know, from part four where she's a baby. But I love Jolene so much. And the fact that she has Jotaro as her father is such an important kind of part of that character. And, and kind of seeing her character arc grow. That I, I just like, and Jolene uses her power in such an innovative way. I can't ever like say like oh i'd want someone else in place of her um i do wish Shizuka showed up though i wish she had been like a side character in like an arc maybe or maybe yeah. would be a cool thing to be to be like oh hey this character that first showed up as a baby is a is a care is you know uh at least a supporting character in this arc now yeah, yeah or something like that you know or she shows up in a later arc or you know whatever i think it'd be cool but i i nothing could take away jolene from me she's she's too precious jolene jolene Jolene, Jolene. Anyway. Next up is from Andre Golden. Dear Sosuke Esumi, the ruler of Engine Sentai Goonger, and Hiroto and Miyu Suto T, who do you think would play Chris in the weekly manga recap movie? <laughs> Aaron Paul, okay. Seth Rogen, All right. Seth Green, okay. I'm Chris fine. Pine, I like that one. It's Betty a very Gilpin. All right, huh? Laura Prepon. Or Prepon. I don't know how to say her name. <laughs> I'm going to type Laura Prepon in. Oh, it's uh, the girl from that 70s show. The the redhead. I can't okay. Her name. Uh, that's a curious one. I, I'd be interested to see it. I don't know who Betty Gilpin is. Hold on. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, she was the... Uh... Oh! Okay. Yeah, she's the girl from from the the wrestling glow. Glow, yeah. Okay. Um, hmm. This is an interesting assortment there. You know, 
Aaron Paul, to a certain extent, I kind of like. Uh, I can almost kind of see that. Seth Green, I feel like, or Seth Rogen, I feel like any white dude can, you could like argue Seth Rogen should be able to play them. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Pine's just far too generous. You should never give him <laughs> that handsome to a schlub like me. Uh, I could I could definitely honestly see Rogan uh, playing you um, just because I can imagine some of the crazier shit that you've said coming out of his mouth. Um, but that's... And also, also, he's a better actor, I think, than a lot of people give him credit for. So. Now, but that said... I want Betty Gilpin to play me because I want more roles for women out there. And I'd be very curious to see her take on this role. <laughs> She's like the role of a fucking lifetime. Some goober with a manga podcast. You used your Mitt Genie Romney, your Mitt Romney Genie wish to make this happen. I'm like, hey, be grateful. This could win an award if I had wished for it. I completely forgot about Mitt Romney Genie. <laughs> Never forget. Uh, good question. I enjoy it. Uh, questions from Campy says, Dear Nick, formerly the most disgruntled child in kindergarten Freeman. That's formerly, not formally. <laughs> Go sit in the corner. Fair enough. And Chris, inventor of dog peanuts, Larios. Question one. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Dr. Stone. That's not the question, by the way. Which popular series do you not see the appeal of and Why? Well, Black Clover has evidently become popular enough in order to get an anime, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually totally understand the appeal of Black Clover, uh, so that's uh, not going to be it. Um, I, mean, I think that every series that has gotten that level of popularity, honestly, I can totally see why. Um, prob like even ones that I that I really hate, I at least understand why people like it. Like. Prince of Tennis is a garbage fucking series, but it's got attractive boys to get sweaty. Of course, girls like it. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> let me, let so me... I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, people don't have taste. Yeah, so. So let me be real about this. I'm not quite sure why people like Cardcaptor Sakura. <laughs> I've been watching Clear again, and I, every time I watch it, I'm like, they don't do anything. I don't get it. <laughs> like, nothing's happening. Do something. <laughs> like, they go for a tea party for 15 fucking minutes, and then, like, in the last five minutes, like, oh, no, a Vortex card showed up. Got it. Now let's finish our tea party. <laughs> it's almost as though the action and the excitement is a distraction from the fact they're like, holy shit, Sukumi or whatever your name is, you have a really beautiful singing voice. That's that slice of life appeal, man. People love people love uh, you know kids in high school doing nothing. They're not even in high school though. They're in middle school. There's people so love young. kids in middle school doing nothing. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Do you do you understand how many episodes of K on I watched before I concluded nothing happens? <laughs> <laughs> These girls do nothing and they're boring and they're not funny. <laughs> I say that despite the fact I've watched like 17 episodes of fucking Car Captor Sucker Clear. <laughs> It's something hypnotic about it. <laughs> I think they're stealing my bank account money. Uh, <laughs> question two. Horikoshi has mentioned he wants certain class 1B students to have more spotlight. When the kids move to second year, who from class 1B would you like to see moved into 1A and who would they replace? 
very few characters. For uh, me. I would say Tetsu Tetsu, and have he's him repl- just Kirishima again though, and have him replace Kirishima. <laughs> 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 just pretend all the character development happened to Tetsu Tetsu instead of Kirishima. He just starts working with fat gum. <laughs> it's like how every time they do like the raw SmackDown shakeups, they just take whatever mid-card titles on the show and just swap them to the other show. They're like, there, a fresh new landscape. <laughs> they really they really threw a curveball in this year when they had the U.S. title go to Raw, only for it to be won by someone who was going to SmackDown immediately. Oh, let me let me guess something that crazy happened. Uh, the Miz, who held one of the mid-card titles, switched to the other show. Well, yes. There we go. Title. Oh, did he lose it in route, in route to leaving the show? Uh, he lost the Intercontinental title uh, at WrestleMania a week and a day before he was moved to, to the other brand. There we so, go. Yes. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> um, in terms of people moving over from Class 1B, honestly, uh, the manga guy... <laughs> Uh, the guy with the uh, speech bubble for a head. I oh. forget who his fucking name is. Um, My Hero Academia speech bubble head. Speech bubble dude. Manga Fukidashi. That's his name. He has a manga speech bubble that reads text in place of talking. That sounds pretty dope. Uh, Kendo, I guess, also, I think, is probably the only character I could see like having enough like personality behind them to actually be one of the you know heroes that we're following and if we have to get rid of someone in, in order to make room for them like ojiro and hogakure because they never fucking do anything sato here is fucking sato there you go Koda never hey. does anything he never does anything like question three what makes a well-written rival character what to you give me my jiro it? arc one. Nick, I'm sorry, alright? Maybe at the end of it she does something. <laughs> so disappointed. Except not really. It's been a great arc. Um, alright. So. You don't actually have to have them acknowledge their uh, the hero to begin with. Um, the part of the sense of development in the series should be the fact that they recognize how far that the hero has come in order to emphasize their role as the rival. Uh, the fact that their uh, relationship with the hero should develop, uh, it should be part of that. But that can't be all of their personality. It, it, you can't have them literally just be defined as nothing, but they're the rival and they will push the hero to new heights. They have to have their own shit going on. You can't be Yuno, okay? Mm-hmm. Yuno is... He is literally just asked his rival is the most frustrating thing about him. There is nothing else going on with him in terms of personality. Uh, yeah, I think a well-written rival character is just somebody who has a relationship with the main character that pushes each other to be more interesting. You know, I think sports is probably the best, like, if you want to see, like, a great rivalry, look at a great sports rivalry. It's why I always recommend the movie Rush, because it had such a great way of capturing this rivalry between, you know, James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. Um, I just like it when the two characters kind of play off one another and make each other more interesting. You like seeing them interact with one another. Mm-hmm. A lot of times... Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Well, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's sometimes the most the most the best part of a character is not how they stand individually; it's just how they relate to other characters around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, question four: Which Willy Wonka child character are you? So I looked this up just to give you like a reminder. There is uh, Augustus Gloop who uh, mm-hmm. fell into the river of chocolate. There is uh, Veruca Salt. Mm-hmm. There's Violet Beauregard. She's uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the sassy rich kid one. Uh, or no, Veruca Ver- Salt's the sassy one. Violet's the one who gets uh, mm-hmm. becomes a blueberry. And then Mike, uh, Mike TV. Mike TV. Yes. In terms of behavior, uh, I would be Charlie because I am a wuss when it comes to following rules and all that shit. In terms of general personality, I would probably be like uh, remake Mike TV. Honestly, you know, cynical uh, and snarky and like don't see, you know, the benefit to making chocolate with impressive technology. Uh, I would be classic Mike TV because mm. I also have bad ADD and should be on a lot more trucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. My God. I <laughs> kid just walked around like, bang, bang, bang. I'm going to shoot you. Bang, bang. And she's like, holy shit. Get some riddle in this kid. Just uh, t- talking with his mouth full and, the, and no, no one's stopping him. <laughs> By the way. In my efforts to find out the names of all, do you think that we should that we should tell Mr. Slugworth about this, Mom? (laughs) Mom, hey, Mom, why are you holding your heart, Mom? (laughs) Uh, I looked up uh, the names of the kids, and I also found that there's a separate section for the Oompa Loompas, and I didn't realize the Oompa Loompas all had individual names like Rusty Goff, Rudy Borgstaller, Ismet Hassan, (laughs) Pepe Poopy. That has got to be a book only thing. Angelo Muscat. What the fuck are these? Malcolm Dixon. What kind of culture did these people come from again? It's a very eclectic group. Ismed Hassan, Pepe Poupi, Rusty Goff. God, fucking roll doll, you fucking racist. Uh, And the fifth question here from Campy is, Willy Wonka has hidden five golden tickets amongst the manga currently in the recap. Which five characters find the tickets? Who do they bring as their guests? Which four of them fuck up and how? Okay, I actually had a a really good time writing an answer for this. (laughs) Okay, I'll let you take this then. All right, so so taking the Augustus Gloop role is Big Mom from One Piece. Okay. Except when she eats everything she doesn't pay the consequences for, she just eats everything. And everyone's uh, like, just, I guess, let her stay here in the river. Stay, stay, stay out of her way so that we don't get eaten. <laughs> Let's just leave her in the candy room so that she'll be distracted. <laughs> this river of chocolate doesn't end, so she'll be here for a while. Uh, then uh, I've got uh, Sukasa from, from Dr. Stone, who proceeds to try and break all of the equipment so that he can reset everything to zero and or rule the Stone Age by smashing all of Willy Wonka's advanced technology. Uh, representing snooty rich uh, rich girl uh, Veruca, I've got Azami from Food Wars, who just corrects every uh, you know critiques everything uh, that he tries. He's never satisfied by any of the candy in Willy Wonka's factory, no matter how much he tries, until he eventually gets I don't know the equivalent of the everlasting gobstopper or whatever, and he then he pisses everyone off by making their clothes disappear because it's so good. Everyone's like, stop! I only brought so many packs of clothes. Uh, in place of psycho, uh, psychopath uh, TV obsessed uh, Mike TV, I've got Louvis from The Promised Neverland, who uh, <laughs> makes the Oompa Loompas his prey and holds a hunt within the factory. Jesus, this is a terrifying group. This is a terrifying tour group. 
And uh, in place of goody goody uh, Charlie, uh, I've got Meliodas, who is initially great and tries to control to control you know, the damage that everyone's causing. But he ends up just getting into fights with them and causing more uh, more damage around him. And eventually, he becomes the evil emperor uh, and rules over the chocolate factory with all of the uh, of the uh, Ten Commandments. Fuck. It's a heavy Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. Well, you know what? They're all psychopaths anyway. It's I'm, sure. I'm just you know wiping away the paint on the surface. Fair enough. I don't have you. You you nailed that one. I the, the only change I would have done is I would have loved you wake and have to be the Charlie in that group. <laughs> like he's just like, Guys, oh no, get in line, <laughs> follow the tour group. We haven't we haven't been orderly yet. They put velvet ropes up for a reason for us to follow. <laughs> I don't think it's, it's I don't think it's sanitary to drink from the chocolate river. You've got to stay in the blue zone. That's good. That that's okay for visitors. <laughs> Let's all get inside of the ferry now and watch the horrifying show on the tunnel walls. Someone worked really hard for this. We should appreciate it. <laughs> Someone spent time splicing together all these pictures of millipedes crawling over maggots. <laughs> Do you know the amount of editing required for this? They didn't you just... You got a nightmare for all of us. <laughs> he didn't do this in, in GarageBand. He clearly used Premiere for this. That takes work. Anyway. <laughs> Good questions, Campy. All right, let's... Uh... Let's do uh, one from uh, Andre Golden here. I'll just do two Andre Golden emails in a row. Uh, Dear Suyoshi Kaijo, the leader of Himitsu Sentai Go Ranger, and Kamen Rider T, today is Shotaro Ishinomori's birthday, or at least it was back at the end of January. My question is, do you watch Super Sentai and or Kamen Rider? Uh, not really. Uh, I've never watched a actual Super Sentai series. I did watch... Uh, the old masked rider that was on uh, that was produced by Saban in the night in the late nineties. And I did watch most of Kamen Rider Ryuki, uh, not, not Dragon Knight, but the, the original, uh, Ryuki from like 2002 or three, uh, when, uh, a friend of mine, uh, who was really, really into, into Kamen Rider, uh, tried to get a bunch of us into it. So I gave that a shot, but, uh, Kamen Rider series are too long. <laughs> It's 52 episodes, like, every time, basically. And I just, I just don't have the patience for that. Um, and uh, I have watched quite a few Power Rangers series, though. Uh, so, I have not watched either of these two. I've never watched anything uh, Kamen Rider-related at all. Not even, like, the American version of it or anything like that. Um, unless Big Bad Beetle Borks counts, and I don't think it does. Uh, never. But it's, 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 you know, uh, Tokusatsu series, but it's not Sentai or anything. So. Yeah. Uh, now, with Super Sentai, I haven't watched it, but I will say I have watched new Power Ranger series. So uh, in my quest to ever find things to distract myself with while I'm doing something else, I have started to watch uh, Power Rangers fuck, Dino Charge, I think it is, and then Super Dino Charge, which is one of the mm. newer series uh, right. from, from Zaban, uh, which is now Hasbro. Uh, and it's, it's decent. It's not like mind blowing, but it, it features some pretty, pretty cool stuff. Uh, I just, I, I've heard people talk about Sentai or Power Rangers a lot, like at work and things like that. And I just, I wanted something to turn on and, uh, you know, anything else to just not finish Breaking Bad, basically. Mm. 
It's not bad. It's it. The Power Rangers is very goofy and silly, but there's still parts of it to enjoy. Uh, okay, here's another one from Andre Golden. Dear Meredith Gray, the head of general surgery in Gray Sloan Memorial Hospital, and Alex Karev T. You know what? I, you want to know what I appreciate about Andre Golden? His dedication to using references that only he enjoys. Neither one of us have mentioned at all enjoying Grey's Anatomy. I think, in, in fact, specifically, we've been asked, and we said we neither of us watched it, and what we no. did see, we hated. But he still put it in there as a reference that he himself enjoys. So, bravo to Andre Golden. And presumably, in a way that makes me look good and you look bad. Presumably. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea who Alex Karoff is, and I, I barely know who Meredith Grey is from 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 fucking. Uh, Great show Anatomy. named after her character, but his character. I don't even know if Meredith is a boy or a girl. That's how little I know about Grey's Anatomy. It is a girl. I I I could visualize the actress in front of me. I could think of what she looks like, but I I couldn't tell you anything about her character. This year is the ten year anniversary of Breaking Bad. Speaking of which, uh, and I want to know uh, what are your favorite moments uh, in Breaking Bad? And P.S. Do you watch Better Call Saul? Uh, so note to the P.S. But I, I gave I gave it a shot. I watched a couple of episodes and I was like, I think when, do, when, do, when, do, when do they get to that cool courtroom scene? The rest of this is just nothing. It's just him being miserable. <laughs> I, I watched like the first episode and it was one of those things like I definitely mean to follow up on this and just haven't. Uh, but I will state for the record that maybe one of my favorite pieces of television ever is in one of the very early episodes of Breaking Bad when uh, Walter has a criminal chained up in his basement and he's debating whether or not to kill him. And he has this extremely human conversation with the guy. And he finally makes peace with the decision not to kill him. And as he's like going upstairs and preparing to release him, he like looks through the broken shards of plate and realizes there's a missing piece. And realizes that this guy is going to try to kill him when he goes downstairs. Yeah. And he's got a long sliver of the plate in his hand and he's planning to try and kill uh, kill him with it and walter like just the the grief and anguish in walter's face as he's like digging through the trash to try to find that missing piece to to believe that there's a way yeah. that this goes that doesn't result in him yeah. having to kill this guy he already it's knows so what's gonna happen but he he just can't accept it yet it's so it's it's fucking beautiful it is one of the best scenes of television mm. of all time First, in my mind First season of Breaking Bad in general is just an amazingly well put together yeah. season of television. Season one of Breaking Bad is fantastic. Hmm. There's a lot of moments in it that I really like, honestly. Uh, I like a lot of the moments where Jesse shows, you know, that he is, you know, actually a good person deep down. Um, it's kind of just a a path to, you know, becoming a better person that just happens to have lots and lots and lots of bumps in the road named Walter White. Um, <laughs> uh, I like the scene that introduces uh, Gus um, where, you know, Walter is just forced to fucking sit in this fucking chicken restaurant a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I, you know, I do really like the way that, uh, I like when they first uh, make uh, uh, was it blue. blue 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 just blue uh, yeah we're beyond you know, just make it for the first time I like when uh, he sets off the explosion with the chemicals in the in, in the trailer basically any time that Walter does something absolutely insane and comes out on top is actually really satisfying yeah walking into the you know Bob the mob boss's den and just setting off an explosion and walking out with all the money. Yeah. <laughs> It's good shit. 
all the way through. All right. All right. Let's go to the great rapsode. Says Dear R. Tomasi and Z. Servant of Space. Uh, since fairy tale will never get. Oh, sorry. Hold on. I, I should. It is I, the not important rapsode, longtime fan of Mirror Weekly Manga Recap, and I have some Mirror questions. So these are the Mirror people that he's referring right, to. Right, right, he's, right. He's talking to us to, from Earth 2, which is just an opposite version of our Earth, apparently. Since Fairy Tale will never get off hiatus, let's let's look at a short run and ask who is your favorite character. I can't tell if we're supposed to take the question. I don't know either. <laughs> Uh, so fairy tale is obviously not off hiatus. It fucking ran for fucking ever, and then ended, and then it's coming back. Uh, so I guess the question would be if we were to take the Mirror World version of it, where fairy tale was a very briefly run series that had a lot of great story arcs, but was ended far too soon. Who would be our favorite? Uh, it'd, it'd probably be Urza because I was really impressed that they had such a, a powerful female lead who had to overcome so many realistic struggles to get where she was and then claw tooth and nail. And the fact that they, they went with an art style for her that wasn't traditionally attractive. <laughs> they went with somebody who was kind of a little homely and, and it gave us a different kind of representation to manga that I, I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. I wish they had gotten to, to finish her story arc and see if she ever was going to be the best swordsman. You know, she lost to so many people. Yeah. That, you know, it was kind of interesting to see if she I was going to be endure able to, so much. Yeah. yeah. She was going to be able to, to reach that plateau and get over it. Uh, and uh, my favorite character was Frosh, uh, who always had a memorable bit of wisdom oh, to impart on his comrades. So uh, funny! Uh, oh, he was amusing. He was like a he was like a splinter character, wise but not above having a sense of humor uh, that was always you know just right on the the money. Uh, it was you know always an unexpected thing that you, you never knew exactly what he was going to say, but it was always either insightful or humorous or both. Like like a Tony and, Stark, uh, where it's just sharp. And the the effect that you know he had on the progression of Sting's arc uh, just really defined that who that character was. Uh, not Sting, uh, Rogue. My, my mistake. Oh, because this is opposite world. Yes, 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 yes. Gotcha. Well, because Rogue was actually... Oh, wait, Lecter is the one from the other dude. Right, right. I, I, I get confused with Mirror World stuff. You know, it confuses me. Yeah. Left hand, right hand, all that sort of stuff. Uh, question two, do we think Boruto has surpassed Naruto at this point? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I don't even know how I can answer this. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I think first and foremost, the fact that it was a time skip backwards and even more primitive technology and skills. They haven't even invented ninjutsu <laughs> yet. It's crazy. Like, it, it's it's really interesting to see them go with such an avant-garde direction. And, you know, the characters have all been so full of life and, and, and vigor. I mean, there's there's some boring characters. You know, we can all agree Serata is, is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very strange to see Boruto go from being all about the uh, new invention of uh, iron crafting uh, to then realizing the evils inherent in it uh, because it could only be used for a singular purpose, uh, regardless of who wielded it or not. He's He was very right about that, though. That's why I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, he was still right. He was very right about it. And I, I really just want to acknowledge that even though I hate Serata and she's a terrible character, I do have to appreciate her choice in sensible footwear. Uh, I think that's probably the best part about her character. Yeah, if, if only everyone else would realize that, you know, wearing, you know, high heels and sandals is just a bad idea when you're a ninja. Yeah. 
Or samurai, sorry. They're, everyone's a samurai. <laughs> <The> samurai pirates. <laughs> it's just one piece. Uh, question three. Since your normal counterparts talked about their favorite drinks, what are your favorite foods? If this is still Mirror Universe. This is Mirror Universe. He's not talking to Chris and Nick. Nick, yeah, he's, he's talking, talking to right. Tomasi and Z Servant of Space. Right, 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 right. Z Servant of Space, who kept his name yeah. uh, that he made. And, yeah. yeah. Um, chocolate and Brussels sprouts, man. <laughs> uh, uh, green beans, uh, just giant vegetables in general. Just the juicier vegetable I could bite into, the better. And McDonald's french fries. Those, those are the best. <laughs> All right. That was an interesting exercise. All right. Uh, more questions here from Campy. Dear Nick, Weekly Marguerite Caps Simon Cowell, Freeman. And Chris, Weekly Marguerite Caps Paula Abdul, Larios. Can it be Weekly Manga Recaps like uh, Britney Spears or Weekly Manga Recaps Lionel Richie? They're, they're, they're judges of American Idol, too. I think a bit more favorable. I mean, wasn't Paula Abdul's thing is that she was crazy? It wasn't that she was funny. She was just like she was she wasn't all there. It feels bizarrely. She was bizarrely positive and airheaded. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I don't know. I don't watch. I don't really watch it. I just know the stereotypes of the original three judges. So, yeah. Number one, Shonen Jump is not a stranger to long-running series. In your mind, how do you keep a long-running series fresh? To you, how does something like One Piece maintain a good sense of quality over its long history, whereas something like Bleach, and to a lesser extent Toriko, feel like they become stale? I mean, for One Piece, One Piece is just really good at executing what it needs to deliver on. Now, it's not always perfect. I mean, we, we talked about how there was a long stretch where One Piece was kind of off, but I think Whole Cake Island proved that it could really execute what it needs to. And it just it it puts out things. It keeps its world interesting and deep with lots of stuff to pick at. And then, you know, it, it follows up when it, it brings something in. I mean, I would say Bleach's issue was not necessarily that it didn't have good new ideas to pull from. It's that when it put them in there, it did stupid fucking nonsense and then made you think like, holy shit, Sasakibe is dead. Everyone will care about that. <laughs> you know, it's just it's sort of like the stuff where. You just got to know exactly how to execute something to make it interesting and not have seven hour fights against every member of the Stern Ritter who has some other power that makes them immortal. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if your concern is like keeping it fresh after a long period of time, well, ask them on what new ideas you can implement and stuff like that. I think that the thing that tends to hold a lot of long running series down when they get to a certain point is. It, when they reach a downturn in quality is not that they've just grown stale. It's just that the, the ideas that they're doing lately are just not done well. Mm-hmm. And that, that can just happen. And it's, you know, it's, it's like saying like what makes a manga good and what makes it bad. You know, it's what makes a stretch of manga good and what makes a stretch of manga bad. It's basically the same thing. Um, I do think that there are definitely some where it's like, okay, they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's going to get stale over you eventually if they don't, really actually change things up but i think with long-running stories that's just kind of part of the uh level of the series is you know you judge if you if you get sick of it just in general then that's a sign that it was it just doesn't have the quality to hold up for over a long period of time whereas you know as a stretch of story arcs being good or bad is just like well they're just good or bad yeah 
Number two, often protagonists have certain character traits and flaws. These traits can make characters more human, relatable, and complex, allowing for stronger writing and development. However, on the flip side, do you think it's possible for a protagonist to have too many flaws? Can this hurt the character or the story being told? Can you think of an example of such a, story, a character or story? Nothing springs to mind specifically, but I do think that there are some characters that are just so flawed that you just can't, like, root for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like that character's just too much of a goddamn wimp. Uh, that character is too much of an asshole, you know. It's a very fine balance that you have to strike, and the balance is going to be different based on the type of series that you're trying to tell. I could think maybe the closest example I could think of would be Boruto, in that you made a character who's loud, annoying, has an attitude, is close-minded, and is kind of just a dickhead to people. And you gave him, you know, it's it's supposed to be all human falls. The fact that his dad never spends time with him, but it's still one of those things that just makes Boruto really hard to get into initially. Is you're just like, I fucking hate this kid. He's such a whiny douchebag. It's and that was definitely, I think, a uh, part of the matter was that uh, that first arc of that story was, you know, meant to follow the uh, the pacing of a movie. Uh, which makes sense. You know, it's like, you know, if you watch the first Thor, you know, Thor is originally this entitled douche bro uh, who does have a level of respect, but he also is kind of sick of the way things are being done. And he learns what it means to actually be a good person, to be a hero in the course of that movie. Um, And that's what Boruto does in that movie. It's very frustrating to have that panned out across, you know, like 15 chapters or however the hell long it took. As opposed to just doing it in like, you know, a, just the pilot chapter. <laughs> but it can definitely happen. Um, it's a balance you have to strike in, in terms of like, if the character is too perfect, then they're not interesting. If a character has too many flaws, then they're not really, you know, worth, worth like wanting to root for. So. Yep. Number three, Chris, you mentioned your favorite console has been the Nintendo DS. What were your favorite games? Have you played Jump Ultimate Stars? And Nick, what is your favorite console? Oh, uh, so there's a lot of games that I love the Nintendo DS. My my absolute favorite would probably be The World Ends With You. If you are ever looking for... If like you play one game on the Nintendo DS, that's the one to play. Because it's the one game that takes advantage of everything the DS had. It used the touch screens. It used the dual screens. It... You know, was such a visually interesting game. It used the fucking microphone. It was a shitty use of the microphone because the microphone sucked, but it would still used it in an interesting kind of way. And uh, it's it's an amazing game that you absolutely definitely should play. Uh, but I, I loved a lot of stuff. You know, the Phoenix Wright games, um, Castlevania games on it were extremely good. Uh, Advance Wars Dual Strike is still one of the best games on the console there. Uh, there's there's a ton. I, I I honestly I could I could list them off for days, and I don't, I don't want to go through that whole rigmarole. roll. But uh, the Nintendo DS is a fantastic console. Definitely, definitely one of the best. And uh, have I played Jump Ultimate Stars? I played one of the Jump games on an emulator. I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been Ultimate, but it may have been the one previous to that. Uh, what I played, I enjoyed. It's just it's one of those games where it's like Smash Brothers on a handheld. 
and there's always a limit to how much I can enjoy that. Uh, as for me, my favorite console is the Nintendo 64 for basically purely nostalgic reasons, but there are a lot of really good games for it that uh, I feel like I would still enjoy to this day. Um, Star, Star Fox 64, a uh, bunch of different racing games, Mario Kart, Diddy Kong Racing, uh, Ocarina of Time is a great one. Uh, Super Mario 64, I think, still holds up, honestly, pretty well, uh, despite the fact that it's got very wonky mid-90s 3D contr- uh, controls. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of different good games. I, can't, I mean, I had like something like 20-ish games for the Nintendo 64. I could not name them all off the top of my head, so... Uh, question four, Nick, you mentioned you were going back to taking physical classes. What are you studying? I'm studying to be an accountant. <gasps> it's taken me a long time because I'm working full time uh, while I'm taking classes. So question five. Finally, as all good Q&A questions and a list question. Shueisha, the lovable scamps they are, decide to create a slice of life school series, which takes characters from their currently running series and transforms them into teachers at the illustrious Jump High School. Which classes does each protagonist teach? Let's also toss... God, you're asking more? <laughs> <laughs> well, Let's also toss part. in Bakugo, Hashtag Ray, and Noel in there for the lulz. I, I love it. The The notion in my mind is that those are the only three students. <laughs> and it's the most annoying breakfast club on the planet. Because one of them's super angry and loud. One of them's this annoying soon soon, and the other one is hashtag Ray, who's the most frustrating person on the planet. And it's just all the teachers be like, I fucking hate these guys. Uh, Luffy teaches lunch because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only class he'd want to teach. Here's how you get a passing grade. Give me food. <laughs> he just judges kids based on how much he gets to eat. <laughs> Uh, Soma, <laughs> I don't want to say he teaches cooking. <laughs> uh, I mean, he has to, right, Hovac? Uh, or he, teach, I, he teaches, uh, science. He teaches, like, biology and shit. Um, sure, the way, all that he can comment on is how the different chemicals make things taste better. <laughs> yeah. And how you mix weird stuff together to create odd stuff. Well, what about carbon being the basis of life? Enough of that. Let me just explain to you the chemical composition of why tentacles and peanuts are, sp- are going to be perfect together. <laughs> uh, I want Ueka to teach sex ed. And he just gets flustered and annoyed the whole time. <laughs> and he's just like, this is the vagina. It's just like, oh, teacher, I thought I need to teach us about condoms. What? You should know about those. I'm going to uh, talk to your parents. Asta would have to teach PE. Yeah, I, I was going to say Luffy would do it, but I, I was like, there's literally nothing Asta could teach beyond. He does not understand he, anything. He has literally no character beyond I work out. <laughs> <laughs> He's also really bad at it because he's just trying to get people to do sit-ups as quickly as goddamn possible. Yeah, he's basically a CrossFit trainer. He's just like, swing these weights around. <laughs> now, should we need form first? No! Just do it like <laughs> I do. Do it the way I show you how to do it. That's uh, all you need to know. I guess Senku teaches science, duh. So oh, yeah, we had absolutely. to kick we had to kick Soma out. He goes back to food ad or Homac. Looks like it could do like engineering. Uh, he could, but he, he he's the marvels of science, so it feels like he has to just mm. be general science. Uh, Emma could be uh, horticulture. She could be. 
She can also just be math. I mean, she's super smart. She could teach. That's any true. She, like, it's easy to forget that. Yeah, like everyone in Promised Neverland is a super genius uh, yeah. that was at the uh, the Gracefield House. Yeah. So she's just like a floater. She's like a substitute for everyone who doesn't show up that day because they're shown in protagonists. Yeah. Deku could teach um, English because he knows all about superheroes. He just teaches like comic books in relation to English. Someone actually or pointed history. out that the students at UA are actually super advanced uh, because of like the math that they're learning uh, as fr- as, you know, basically the equivalent of American sophomores. They're learning super advanced math and solving it really quickly. And also, apparently, they were in, like, the top 5% of all students in terms of grades or some shit. Or not grades, but, like, scores they got in the entrance exam. So he could teach study hall. (laughs) Well, that's his whole thing, is that he takes copious notes on everything. Can Melodius teach music? Oh, this is jump school. Fuck Melodius. He could die in a bit. We don't need to sell that. Yeah. Is that everybody? Uh, we've done da, 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 My Hero, Food Wars, We Never Learned, Dr. Stone, uh, Promise Neverland, and One Piece. Yeah, yeah, that's our okay. point. There we go. We nailed it. Awesome. And all of them just hate their lives because the only three students they have are Bakugo, Noel, and Hashtag Ray. I think that the, I think the, the intention there was that they were also teachers, but I like the idea that Hashtag Ray is a student. <laughs> oh, that's the best. He's this shitty student everyone hates. <laughs> and he always gets a perfect score, too, because it's like, God Fuck. He's so fucking smart, and he's so fucking stupid. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, all right. Question here from Andre Goldie. says, Dear Solid Snake and Ru- – uh, Sorry. Solid Snake, the ruler of spying, and Sam Fisher T. Uh, they actually, not bad. They had, a real, they had a real rivalry. I never played either of the games, so it's kind of lost to me. People keep on telling me that Homestruck is amazing and want me to be part of the fandom. And my question is, do you think Homestruck is worth reading? No. There you go. I hate I hate Homestuck. Like I couldn't even begin to tell you what it is. It's people bring up it's like oh it's amazing that they've got these animations and this music and stuff. It's like it's literally the thing that people kept on trying to use to sell it to me was it gets really good after chapter four hundred. Like Jesus, (laughs) that's still one of my favorite ways people tried to explain Final Fantasy thirteen to me. They're like after twenty five hours, mwah. It's great. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not spending 25 hours on garbage. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't even... I, I assumed Homestruck was a... It's a, in a, like a webcomic, right? The part that, that got me to stop... Yeah, it is. The part that got me to stop was where they explained that paradoxically uh, all of the kids and parents were created by one of the kids uh, in like some sort of time travel experiment bullshit thing. That I, was, literally, I got I've, to that point. I was just like, no. I've heard done. a single sentence and I don't want any more of it. Yeah. Uh, P.S. Chris, what is Deadwood? Deadwood is a Western also, drama. Also, I hate Jade. She's stupid. Go ahead. It's a Western drama on HBO. I've watched a couple episodes of and it was pretty decent. My brother and a lot more people that I know whose opinions I respect say it's an amazing show. Uh, it's just it's another one on that long list of shows I need to watch. The issue I have, and I've mentioned this when my brother tries to hit me on it, why I don't watch it, and I'm fucking watching Power Rangers, is Power Rangers is a show I can have on in the background and I'm not mm-hmm. missing anything. Yeah. Deadwood is a show, and this is a true for a lot of like the dramas. I need to pay attention to it, otherwise I just miss huge chunks of it and you know characterization and themes and everything to go along with it so it's one of those shows i just can't have on the background i need to like specifically sit down to watch it all right hello 
Imit Forelur Y and Tolor. So names backwards. Oh, I'm back off to the fifth universe now. Bye. Are there any number one? Are there any verbal habits that you have noticed in each other that you find funny or interesting? For instance, I find it interesting that Chris consistently uses Catholic correctly to mean universal and then has to explain every time he does it what it means. That is true. I, I don't even understand what that means because I'm. Uh, the maybe term- he does it for my benefit. Uh- <laughs> well, well, the word Catholic means universal. Like the literal, like lowercase c means universal. So I use I found that out in, you know, in Catholicism, like in studying in universal school and yeah, in in universal school, uh, in religion class, you know, that was taught to us. So it was something I always kind of held on to as like a unique kind of thing. So I use it. It's just one of those words that like when you use it and you learn the meaning of it, you like to use it because Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a flourish you could put in. Uh, I maybe it's a douchey thing. I don't know. But. Uh, when I say it, though, on, it depends on your stance, I think, on the word. Like if it's a factoid that you think you is just so interesting to you that it's just stuck with you for that long. No, I don't find that to be arrogant. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not throwing it in there just to be an asshole or anything like that. But when I use it, I oftentimes have to remember like, oh, not everybody knows that. And, <laughs> and then and then I'll follow it up by saying Catholic as in universal, not Catholic as in the religion, because a lot of people, when you hear the word Catholic, the first thing you think of is religion. So it, it's, to, you know, to set that there's a, a disassociation between the two yeah. or how Nick pronounces wolf as wolf. Um, pretty sure it's be- it, that's just a matter of like, because I say the L, but I guess with my accent, it's not emphasized very much. I don't know. I don't notice it, but I have a really bad ear for that sort of thing, so I'm not the well, best person to go with. In particular, how many people have you ever heard say the word and they say like wolf? Wolf. So. Yeah, I mean it's true. Um I'm I'm bad at picking out other people's uh mm-hmm. like quirks. The one thing I did ever picked up was my sister, whenever she heard someone say something funny over the phone, she would instantly repeat it to them. Like you know, the person over there was like, and he said, well, you can call me Tuesday. And she's like, <laughs> call me Tuesday. And I pointed out to her and she was fucking infuriated <laughs> with me because every time she did it, then forward, she's like, that asshole. You get very, you get very self-conscious uh, in some cases where people point that stuff out to you because then you're like, just like consciously thinking about it mm-hmm. or like you'll do it. And uh, then you'll be like, oh, God damn it, I did it again. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's. I, Often on stuff that's, you know, not like bad or anything like that. Uh, it's just like you get self-conscious over because someone has pointed out to you and it's something that you haven't, you know, really thought about before. Uh, you know, no one thinks about the fact that it's like, I'm wearing underwear. But then someone's like, hey, you realize that you're wearing underwear. Like, think about the way that you're feeling underwear right now. And some people, they wouldn't mind. And some people, they just be like, God damn it, I can't fucking stop thinking about how I'm wearing underwear. Why did you do that to me? So. Yeah. Uh, I have tended to actually notice more of my own verbal habits if I happen to listen to myself back. It's one of the reasons I don't really listen to the podcast after we're done recording it. Unless it's like a particularly great episode that I uh, had a lot of good experiences and there were good jokes and stuff that I enjoyed and all that. Question number two. 
Do you have any plans for any more pitch bonus pods? Well, this was uh, given to us back in January, and we did actually do a uh, pitch uh, bonus pod. Uh-huh. Uh, it was uh, um, guest starring Mr. Great Ideas. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there. So it was Nick and Mr. Great Ideas. Yeah. And uh, he had some really strong opinions on uh, different four kids dub potential uh, series. So. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's definitely maybe if we can wrangle him back. He's a very busy guy. He's got a lot of business meetings to get to and important stuff to do. Yeah, uh, so many, so many great ideas to share. Yeah. So, but if we can, definitely get some more. That was certainly that was a a less serious uh, pitch kind of episode than the sports manga one. Um, but eh, I would not object to. I really like that sports manga pitch one, honestly. Uh, so I would not object to us trying to do another one in the future. Number three, I believe you both mentioned that you're taking post-secondary classes, but I'm not sure you've mentioned what you're studying. Well, I just answered this one, so there, there we go. Thank you, Colm, for those for those questions. Yep. Uh, question here from Andre Golden. Dear Batman Beyond, The Ruler of Time, and Spider-Man 2099T. I feel like I may, came out better in that one as well. <laughs> uh, I didn't like Batman Beyond at all, so. Oh! Okay. It, it just never clicked for me. But I think I was getting a little too old when it came out. You were you were five months older than I. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a very pivotal five months in growing my taste. Uh, who do you think is the worst villain in fairy tale? So I actually had to look back on previous villains to remind myself of <laughs> villains in fairy tale tend to be pretty forgettable for me. I I did that whole list of various characters in that final episode to see if you could remember half of them. Oh God. Um, the one that I came up with was Raventail because mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, there was supposed to be this like dark offshoot of fairy tale built exclusively to destroy them. And then they were completely inconsequential in that. Arc. It was they existed just to have like kind of like a fetish dominatrix character in Fiora. And then the rest of them sucked ass. I don't even think the rest of them ever did anything. They just had like that one big fight where Laxus beat them all single handedly. So there you go. Great question. Thank you, Andre. (laughs) All right. uh, This one's uh, not signed. Okay. Hello, Nick, Nintendo Switch Freeman, and Chris, PlayStation uh, Vita, Larius. Jaminia999. Oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, I'm curious to know what your thoughts on how far My Hero Academia will go in explaining quirk origins and how they may necessarily fit into the entire conclusion of the story. When I think of quirks, I tend to compare it to Devil Fruits in One Piece, but whereas One Piece set up Devil Fruits as a mystery that will be solved through characters such as Vegapunk, I don't get that feeling in My Hero with quirks, despite being an even more central aspect of its world. Uh, we go on to explain in more detail, you know, some things that have been brought up in relation to quirks, such as the quirk doomsday and all of that uh, the fact that animals can have quirks, the fact that quirks can be stolen and transferred. It is a thing. I, I have kind of personally always thought of quirks as just an excuse for superpowers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just this way of explaining that everyone's superpowers come from the same thing, uh, as opposed to there are individual events like a mutation or radiation or any of that. Uh, it's just much simpler and cleaner to say they all come from the same thing and people just grow up with them and uh, of course are growing more powerful over time so superheroes are becoming more and more an aspect of life but the fact that you bring this up does make me think i guess that there is the potential for that uh in in the future 
thing is that devil fruits are a thing that is acquired, whereas quirks are th- something that is born with. Uh, and I think that it was probably done that way specifically so that it could pl- it could apply to all for one with mm-hmm. his ability to, to transfer and steal the quirks. I mean, quirks are in and of themselves magic, like in terms of like what limits quirk ha- quirks can do. It's not as though it's something as straightforward as like, Okay, quirks have, like, rules that they have to follow, per se. They've been pretty abstract in terms of, like, you can steal people's quirks, you can nullify them. Some quirks create things out of nothingness. Some quirks, you know, have very kind of obtuse things that they can do and things like that. So, And some are just better than others. Yeah, just statistically some are better than others. So the way I kind of look at it is they're just an evolutionary kind of thing. And there isn't much of a need to explain that beyond it probably originated somewhere, but now it's just kind of evolved to humanity. Um, The way that like the X gene is in X-Men where it's, you know, it's an evolutionary trait people have. There is an explanation going back to fucking apocalypse and all shit like that. It came from him. He's the first mutant, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you can give it like a, a, a genesis if you need to. But the ultimate thing is just that it's something inherently that people are born with most of the time. So it doesn't really need too much more of an explanation than that for me. And I know a thousand people are going to talk to me about how fucking the X gene has some long elaborate history of where it originally originated from. Comics are stupid most of the time, so I tend to <laughs> ignore all that stuff. And I'm just going with the simple comparison there. Uh Second question is how action series tend to be viewed by society. Find a bit odd how action movies and shows tend to be said to be for little kids, with shown being the term for boys, but then turn out to be really popular with pretty much all demographics, with One Piece being the best-selling book series in Japan and comic book and Transformers movies doing insanely well with most demographics over here. I find a bit odd how we seem to have classified this one genre for an audience that doesn't seem to really share that much of a difference with the rest of its audience. So what are your thoughts to the notion of action being described for boys when general society seems to agree that everyone enjoys it? Yeah, um, that's one of the reasons why people keep on saying, like, why can't we get a female-led, you know, comic book movie? It's mm-hmm. because there are, you know, members of the fan base who are obviously women and would be into that. Uh, there is an audience for it, and where the people seem to just be sticking to is like, you know, it's going to be all, you know, like, women can only be part of the supporting cast or part of an ensemble uh, up until took it's taken, what, 20 movies in for the MCU to give us uh, Captain Marvel coming out soon so yep it's just a general thing um yeah it's a thing that exists uh we're seeing some of those those trends bucked but it's partially also to it's advertising uh if you ever watch a show adam ruins everything he did a really great uh look at how video games originally were not marketed towards boys at all when they were originally introduced they were a thing that both genders enjoy but eventually when video games came back they needed to pick a side of the toy aisle for it to go on and it mm. went on the boys side and that's why commercials started showing video games being played by boys and it became considered a boys thing to do so uh, there is an attitude that where makes perfect sense when you think about it huh. yeah and there's there's an attitude that kind of can be put in to describe just like when you market things you market it towards men in certain ways and then you market certain things towards women and we kind of let that shape a lot of our perspective on things so it's kind of one thing to just keep in mind is to keep an open mind. If you feel like something is being told to you as like, you shouldn't enjoy this, you know, be skeptical, make up your own mind about that and choose whether you want to enjoy it or not. Don't let, mm-hmm. uh, don't let advertising decide for you. 
And also shonen means uh, boy and not specifically action. But I get what you're saying. To the to the person who was sent to the question. Right, right. Uh, and uh, third, I've never really read any romantic comedy or harem series before we had never learned. And really, I was really surprised by how much I actually tend to really like the series and how when there are some really schlocky chapters, they the fun that you guys have when recapping them makes me reflect well on those, even if they do kind of suck. Uh, but when it's good, it allows its characters to evolve and grow. It feels like the series is making a lot of progress that I feel the other series don't from what I hear about them. Uh, I wish to ask, how exactly do you say that We Never Learn compares to other similar series with regards to aspects such as character growth and advancing the plot? I would say that We Never Learn is a more mainstream version of Good Ending, which was a series that took the idea of like a character like discovering relationships and really pursuing that and having a full character arc with that. And, you know, that was the premise of the series. We, we never learned is similar to that, but in a much less like direct way and like, uh, like focused kind of way. We never learned has shown real growth in its characters and it hasn't fallen into every one of the exact pitfalls that a lot of harem series do. There are moments mm-hmm. where we think that there has been some real growth between the characters I mean, we're only like, what, a hundred and so chapters in, and we've had like at least a couple characters realize they have yeah, less, less than that. Yeah. So we, we've had quite a few characters like recognize they have feelings for the main character and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there is some real growth there, but it's also, uh, you know, a series that's meant to run and jump. And the business model of that is generally to keep your series running for as long as possible, which in the case of a harem manga means you can't have the characters get into a relationship so, you know, it does better than what some of its peers have done in terms of actually touching upon the uh, romantic aspect and, and, you know, having characters recognize their feelings for one another. But it, it's not perfect. But I think you're not really going to find a perfect version of that sort of series in Shonen Jump. Or if it is, it's it's going to be harder to come by. There's There's got to be some progress made in the medium before we can really see that one come out. One of the most frustrating parts of romantic comedy harem series is just the maintaining of the status quo for the sake of being able to spin your wheels and tell jokes and do titillating scenes. Um, and we never learn is certainly at its best when it does that. When there's just a chapter, it's just like, well, the character is wearing a skimpy bathing suit and Yuiga is being embarrassed around them. Here we are. Yep. Uh, when it does character development, we never learn is one of the best of the of the genre that I have read. I understand why Chris was tempted to say it's better than Nisekoi. It turned out to be wrong, but (laughs) (laughs) it can be better than Nisekoi. It can definitely be be better than Nisekoi. Nisekoi was more prone to uh, maintaining the status quo over a longer period of time. It felt like it was just that when it had jokey chapters, they tended to actually be funnier. So they they were definitely a lot easier to tolerate. Mm. All right. Uh, uh, there actually is a. Oh final wait, there is a, there is a, there is a final bit. Yes. Lastly, the time writing this with the shocking twist that William Vengeance was evil the whole time. I just want to ask, what are some really obvious "I was the bad guy the entire time" reveals, be they for manga or any other medium? Uh, I mean, we joked pretty hard about it, but uh, who is the uh, the Mask of Ice from Pokemon Adventures Two is a fucking hysterical mystery, like uh, in and out of context. What you mean that Toby was Obito? What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Hulk Hogan is Captain America <laughs> or Mr. America? That can't be true. They fired Hulk Hogan. He can't be back. 
notice how Mr. America wears a mask, whereas Gil Kogan never wears a mask. <laughs> yeah. Now, the rest of their ring attire is shockingly similar. <laughs> could, it be, could it possibly be Mark Henry that's Mr. Yeah. America? <laughs> Nick, I would like to ask you a couple questions to the identity of this Juan Cena. <laughs> <laughs> I love whenever they come back, come in with like uh, this wrestler has been fired. So for one week, they have to wear a mask on the house shows. Uh, reports come out like uh, Elias got fired from NXT. So he showed up as like El Drifter or something like <laughs> El that. <Drifto. laughs> something along the something ridiculous along those lines where it's just the most transparent thing. Juan Cena was probably the funniest out of all of them, though. <laughs> Uh, great questions there, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Or Jim, Jimania. Uh, uh, oh, uh, but if we want to do a non-manga example, oh. uh, what was the guy's name from Iron Man 3? Because that was a pretty obvious oh, one. Adrian Killian? Yeah. Is, uh, come on. Like, uh, that was this guy that Tony Stark embarrassed at a party in the in the preview of the show, of the of the movie. Uh. Right, who I think was also played by Guy Ritchie. <laughs> so when you see Guy Ritchie <laughs> later, it's pretty obvious. Uh question from andre golden yes dear why the ruler of ninja time and turtle power t with the new teenage mutant ninja turtle show coming this fall i want to know what are your fond memories of teenage mutant ninja turtles okay you have to understand teenage mutant ninja turtles has been around for just slightly longer than either of us has been alive so <laughs> so when i tell you too many to remember i literally mean that uh, i because teenage mutant ninja turtles keeps creeping back into my life every now and again, uh, primarily when there's like a new reboot. Uh, not the Michael Bay one, stayed away from that. But, uh, you know, when the 2012 series came out, I watched it for a little bit. When the 2000, uh, what was it, three, I think, series came out, I watched, I've watched a fair amount of that. I grew up with the 80s and 90s cartoon and the uh, 90s movies. Too many to fucking count. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I got to be honest here. I don't have that many fond memories of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They were always like a part of my life, but not that I actually really watched them. I think the biggest thing I look to is the the old arcade game I used to play a lot. And like, I always mm -hmm. liked Leonardo. But Ninja Turtles was more like my brother's show because he was older than me. You know, he, oh, yeah. he was a kid in the 80s when the cartoon was on. By the time I was really growing up, the cartoon wasn't playing anymore. And I fell in that gap where there wasn't really a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show until after mm -hmm. I was really too old for it. And that's when like, it went to Nick and everything like that. So, you know, I. Well, I have... Chris, surely you are forgetting because you would have been watching Fox Kids at the oh, time, man. I'm sure. In 1997, when oh, they I released <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation. Yeah. Which no. I can guarantee, I can de definitely tell you with absolute certainty, is my least fondly held memory of the franchise. <laughs> but Nick, it introduced a female turtle. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I never really watched the shows, so most of my like knowledge of it comes from the games, which I played a lot of, and I loved the games. Um, you can have good female representation in a series and not just have it be another member of the fucking family of brothers, who they may not be brothers specifically so that they could hint towards romantic entanglements with their characters, because then she wouldn't be their sister. That's kind of fucked up. Like That's messed up. Like, no, they weren't the, a real family. That's like Fuck Smur you. That's like Smurfette issue where you're like, yes. wait, all four brothers just trying to back. There's Nick. Do you ever play the Fallout games at all? No, there's. Do you understand the concept of Fallout, though? The idea yes. of like these different vaults and a lot of them were yes. used for like really fucked up experiments. experiments. Yes. There's one 
like there's horrifying ones out there. There's oh, one that was right. only alluded to that just terrifies the shit of me, and it's a vault of a hundred people of ninety nine men and one woman, and you're like, that is a horrifying hell to even try to comprehend. They never actually have shown it or anything like that. It's just like one they mentioned in passing, but that is a special kind of hell I can only imagine. There was an opposite to that too, with like one man there was and nine one men. man and ninety nine women. Another one I never like touched on. It's just one that's good and like mentioned. It I mean, I think that is one of those things that's just better left uncovered because it's yeah. just like that just gets into all sorts of like uncomfortableness. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like Fallout's not exactly like the most like safe and clean series, but it's that's just fucked up. I mean, there's know? there's one in New Vegas where the every year they vote they vote for the overseer. And the overseer has to commit suicide at the end, like be sacrificed to the vault itself to keep it running. And like one year, a woman basically had to like unwillingly give up herself for sex to all the members of this one party to spare her husband from being voted on there. Jesus Christ. And they voted him in anyway. (laughs) So there's a lot of fucked up stuff in there. Right. Uh, next is going to be one from uh... <laughs> the replicas. Rapids, right? There is one they just put a panther in it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see just how this works out. <laughs> I love it because, like, the logic behind Vault Tech supposed to be that these are all different experiments to like see what living in a colony on the moon would be like in a confined environment. And then there's somewhere clearly there's just some sadistic dude who's just like, "Well, if there was a we panther in this one." <laughs> Like, you think that's a realistic possibility in our moon colony? Yeah, well, I mean, well, like, what if we leave a, a panther out in one of them? Let's see what happens. It's probably going to kill people. Let's see what happens <laughs> for science. Uh, uh, um, vault 19, vault was segregated into two groups, red and blue. The groups lived in separate sections of the vault, and the inhabitants may have been chosen due to pre-existing paranoia. Hmm. Uh, oh, there it is. Vault 43. Populated by 20 men, uh, t- 10 women, and one panther. <laughs> oh, that's just featured in, in Penny Arcade. Did that, actu- did that actually happen? No, like, they've, they've been, uh, Penny Arcade made up a bunch of these, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Uh, let's see here. The armory was, was overstocked with weapons and ammunition and not provided with a lock. Yeah. The boomers, weapon crazy inhabitants of Nellis Air Force Base, descend from the inhabitants of this vault. Uh, vault, uh, vault 76 designed as a control group for the vault experiment, uh, intended to open and recolonize, but, uh, populated by one man and a crate full of puppets, this penny arcade, that's a single cure for all human diseases through testing on unaware human subjects. The vault had two sections. Residents lived in one section while vault tech scientists secretly observed them work and worked in the other. Unexpectedly, the original overseer disabled the equipment the scientists used to expose the residents to diseases. As of 2287, the vault's residents are alive and well and regularly trade with the outside world. Yep, that's one of the few that end in a relatively happy way. There's one that's not happy at all where they, it's like underneath the school and they took all the kids they said their parents could come in they separated them killed the parents and then experimented on the kids over and over again to create super kids then when they get to 18 they told them they were going up to the outs like the upside world to be heroes and then they just kill them and experiment on their organs and clone new kids to start the process over and over again it's a fucking hellish existence yay yay all right no questions (laughs) From Jack Lebrano, dear Nick the Free Man and Chris, always remember you're important and loved. Oh, thank you. Now that Nick is officially halfway done with JoJo's, between parts three and four, what have been your favorite and least favorite stand? 
I, I still don't understand why, but I really just like the guy with the giant sun that just follows everyone around in a cart and just has a sun bear down on them. I He's he's devoted, man. Like he's just got a cart with air conditioning inside it and he just follows people around putting a sun on top of them. <laughs> and honestly, I think that um Oh gosh, what was the name of it? Fucking JoJo's JoJo JoJo's stand. So honestly, honestly, pretty plain. Um, so yeah, Star Platinum. It's very plain. Uh, and for Chris, what is your least favorite and even most hated stand? Uh, I, Gold Experience Requiem definitely is annoying because it's stupidly broken. Um. I'm sure there's other ones though that I just I can't think of. Uh, there's a lot of annoying stands in later parts, but they're generally pretty brief. I think one that I hated a lot was White Album. I remember it being a really annoyingly good stand that just felt like conf- like it had such a stupid weakness built into it. Like there's one t- like a dar- like a fucking Death Star like hole in it that you had to like punch exactly to kill him, and it was just kind of an annoying gimmick. Hmm. All right. Andre Golden. Andre Golden, dear Count Dooku, the ruler of the Separatist Alliance, and General Grievous T. I feel like you... I'm not sure which one oh, of those made up a better one. I want out I mean, but, but Grievous in Revenge of the Sith is a total pussy, so he I don't is, know. He is, but Count Dooku was never cool, whereas Count General Grievous at least had the Clone Wars cartoon where he was pretty dope. But Count Dooku is Christopher Lee. He is... But it's the shittiest role of Christopher Lee. <laughs> I chopped off Anakin's hand. <laughs> uh, Valentine's Day is coming next week. Right on time. And my question is, do you have any waifus that you hold near and dear to your hearts? P.S. And you are not limited to characters from anime and manga. All right, Nick, who's your waifu? <laughs> That was it. I guess I do have some female characters that I have been like fond of and I don't know why. Like generally I find them to be frustrating characters, but I just like see them and it's like, oh, I want to take care of you. Um a lot of time a lot of times they have blue hair, I find. So Nick's but, a blue hair, got it. That's not what case. I said. Not <laughs> what it. I said, but okay. Got it. Write it down. Might as well I might as well interpret it that way. Yeah, Go ahead. exactly. Um uh, well, you know, like like Megami, I, I feel I, I need to protect her. So I can't think. I can't think of like one immediate example that comes to mind. Um. So I'm gonna say Supergirl, because I just tried to think of a female character, and that's one of the first that came to mind. So fair enough. Make of that what you will. Chris wants to bang Supergirl. Got yep. it. Yep. Okay. Bam. Uh, let me do the next one since that was a pretty short one. Andre Golden again. Dear Vic Bonyanya, the ruler of time. <laughs> <laughs> and Maxi Whitehead T. If you could have any cat from Fairy Tale to be your partner, who would they be? And I'm just going to answer for both of us here Panther Lily. Yeah, that's the only answer that could be there. Vic Mignona. Vic Mignona. See, it's a cat question, so it's deliberate. Yeah. I'm not oh, okay. I'm not a giant blubber mouth. Alright, I don't know exactly how we're supposed to pronounce this one. Dear Roll Bed Y, aka Y Chris K. Alright. 
as you already know, Dragon Ball Fighters has become a smash hit, shattering the myth that all games based off of licensed properties are wee shovelware levels of garbage and even becoming the first anime-based fighting game to appear in the main stage at Evo. To celebrate this momentous occasion, I've constructed the best possible, longest possible, hypothetical ever to be featured on WMR. Here's the scenario. Arc System Works catches in on the success of DBFZ by making a fighting game based on not just Dragon Ball, but the entirety of Weekly Shonen Jump. 32 characters from 16 individual series are represented with either a hero and rival or hero and villain, depending on the series in question as a villain to begin with. And they decide to hire you to decide which characters make the cut. Which series do you choose and which two characters from each individual manga get to be in the greatest licensed fighting game ever made, never made? I answered about half of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a ton that you can kind of go with. Um, I mean, let's start with the easy ones. Like, So One Piece, we need to put people in there. So you want to put Luffy in there. And I kind of feel like you want to put Zoro in as the second. Like, there's a ton of characters from One Piece to put. But, like, you got to put Luffy in there. And I feel like if everybody, Zoro is the most interesting opposite to put in there. Um, Naruto, Naruto Sasuke. I think it's kind of like the obvious ones to go with. Bleach, Ichigo, and Aizen? I don't know who to put opposite of Ichigo. My mind's like Ichigo or Probably Aizen or Byakuya, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not doing Dragon Ball, obviously, since they were already in there. Uh, Toriko, put in Toriko and Zebra, maybe? Or Sunny? They could do a lot of shit with hair. They already have it. Melia Rage. They could just bring her back in from fucking <laughs> from uh, Guilty Gear. Um, my hero put in Deku and actually, you know, fuck that. We'll put in All Might and one for, or all for one. I want to put those guys in there instead. Um, get some different body types in there. Put in Jotaro and Dio. Um. Fuck, I'm starting to run. Uh, put in Nero and Six from Majitan to Nagami Nero. Um, hmm. Who else do I want in there? They don't put joke characters in those games that much, though. So people are like suggesting like a Yami Yugi and things like that, but I, I can't imagine like a Yami Yugi character having a full like move list. So I just like went off of like a series that we currently recapped in order to like go go easy on myself for this one. So I've got Luffy and Big Bomb for One Piece, uh, Deku and Bakugo, Soma and Arena. You t- you figure out how they fight. I don't fight. Oh, okay. <laughs> Senku and Tsukasa, uh, Emma and Luvis for Promised Neverland, Boruto and Serata, Aston, you know, and then for We Never Learn, I've got Yuiga, and then the girls. Just, <laughs> just the girls. They're like, like a, the po- like Pokemon, Pokemon trainer, trainer and Brawl. You know, you, yeah. sw- you swap between them. Okay. Yeah, I could dig that. You choose your waifu. Okay. There you go. You figure out how they fight. Fuck you. I'm sure there are other characters I could put in there. Um, I'm gonna choose 32 characters. Get uh, go away. <laughs> I put in uh, Suna or Suya. What Suna? Suyu. Is, no, Suna is the name for the kid from Hitman Reborn. Put him in oh. there, and then. I don't know, fucking any other anonymous villain character from that series. I don't give that much of a fuck about it to put the whole list in there. And then, um, 
Oh, Mr. Jump is an extra secret unlockable character. It's just a floating pirate head that always wins. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a joke character, but then you just have to hit like one button and you automatically yeah, it's win. Like, yar! It just devours you. Yar! Series cancellation! <laughs> yeah, yar! It was all a jump conspiracy! <laughs> all right. So, uh. And the next one's going to be from uh, Great uh, Well, Rook, there's, so. there's the last question at the end. What's more likely to happen? Oh. Arc Systems remaking their Fist of the North Star game for 2006 using the Guilty Gear X third engine or a genuine My Hero Academia fighter? I imagine a My Hero Academia game is much more realistic since it's extremely popular and current. And while Fist of the North Star is great, uh, there's a lot more money to be made using a My Hero game than there is from a Fist of the North Star game right now. Uh, yes, and so... The Great Rapsodes is hello, Nick I. Dio Freeman and Chris I. Maud Gear Freeman for some reason. <laughs> I got some questions for you. I guess because it's Maud Gear introducing himself. <laughs> he just gets it wrong. Uh, I don't know if this has been put into your recommendations, but when doing your uh, fairy tale month, you overlooked. You looked over Raid Masters of previous works of Hero. I wanted to ask if you do another one for recommendation. While Monster Hunter and Monster Soul were very limited, I actually think you'd have fun reading the Mashima N, two volumes of manga post of one-shots Hero has done. So it's not really a question, but I guess you're asking if we do those? It's, it's certainly a possibility. Um, there's very likely going to be more Hero Weekly Manga Recap again soon, so we shall see. My second question is more an anime question. Have you ever watched an English dub of an anime? I never found an interest in the voice of a character you're really familiar with coming out of a really unlikely character, such as Vic Mignagna, who famously played Edward Ulrich in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, then playing the legendary Super Saiyan Brawly in Dragon Ball Z, and the womanizer Tamaki in Oron High, uh, Oron High School Host Club. Or Justin Briner, who plays the cautious hero in Training Deku from My Hero Academia, but then plays the smiling combat fiend Luck in Black Clover. I don't think one of these has come to mind i'm, I'm really nah. not a good person to judge like steve bloom is the only person whose voice i could pick out like out of an immediate lineup at this point and that's just because his voice is so iconic at this point that i immediately recognize it um i guess i will say not an anime one but i was always stunned at the versatility of phil lamar and when I found mm. out that he was playing like Green Lantern and then he played like these characters from from KOTOR in minor characters and things like that. And then when he showed up other places, I was always baffled by like how skilled he was because I knew him from, you know, like I first recognized him from Mad TV where he was a comedic sketch actor, you know. And then you're like, oh, shit, he played one of the coolest characters in fucking Justice League Unlimited and everything. That's awesome. I honestly don't get surprised too much by uh, unless it's like non voice actors uh, showing up in voice acting roles, you know, uh, people who have are primarily known it not for voicing stuff or, you know, conversely, like you, an actor shows up in something and I know them more for voice acting stuff than anything else. Yep. All right. Uh, question three. If you was a school that taught kids Yu-Gi-Oh! instead of being heroes, what would the students of Class 1A's decks be? Nick, All how right. are you? <laughs> oh, you actually cracked your nail or your knuckles for it. Sweet. Okay. So some of these are pretty obvious. Uh, I will fully admit that. Uh, so Deku, Elemental Heroes. Come the fuck on. What? Yeah. Doesn't make sense to me, but okay. Yeah. Uh, Bakugo, uh, go with a reactor deck. 
Uh, it features things uh, being exploded. Uh, and also there's enough ver- variability there that you could catch people by surprise uh, if they, you know, added some of the stuff that supported it, for example, from the anime and stuff like that. So you, frog deck. Is there actually a frog deck archetype? There is a frog deck, right. yes. Uraka, gravity bind deck. So hold people down and uh, just burn them out. Ojiro, gladiator beasts. Hagakure, spirits, because they return to the hand and they disappear from the field. Boom. Mineta, dark magician girl deck, because he likes tits. <laughs> I like to think he doesn't even play. He just jerks off over just, the cards. Just, just puts all the busty, just puts, puts all the busty women uh, he's art an in the deck, deck. Basically, he just plays Amazons, but he doesn't actually he's, play. He's probably into, energy. Let's let's be real. He's probably intimidated by the Amazons and can't get it up for them. Tokoyami, black feathers, like a fucking asshole. Seriously, fuck black feathers. Black wings, if you're... Uh... Anyway. Uh, Sato, Madolce, because they're all candy women and shit like that. That's actually as far as I've actually gotten written down. Let me just look up the list here. As I... um... Gosh, what was the fucking... Uh... Did you do one for um... the Todoroki? No, he's a little tricky because there are some cards that play off of the fire and ice thing, but I can't think of any that would actually you would actually play together, basically. Like there are sets, for example, that oppose each other. One seems off of fire and one seems off of ice. There are some cards individually that represent, you know, the, that dichotomy. But I literally cannot think of a set that he could actually switch between that would work. Honestly, it would be more... Well, nah, never mind. Uh, let's see. Uh, he does, like, whole thing is speed. So he would uh, do... He would honestly use a bunch of cards that, like, Yusei uses that are, uh, you know, like, runner-themed. He would have, like, Speed Warrior in his deck. Actually, it wouldn't be too surprising if he tried uh, to do some of the stuff that people used with... Uh, take advantage of Speed Warrior and doubling its attack um, with... Uh, what was it called? freaking evolutionary card that would make its original attack 2400 so then it would double it up to 4800 probably have a lot of cards like that uh god what's a good like music thing let's see here yeah yeah there's got to be like a pop uh, star deck at some point right Oh, well, uh, Yuzu uses a set of cards called uh, Melodious in Arc in Arc 5. Um, so I guess you could do, do that for Jiro, but that's, yeah, much more like singing than any... There's, there's, a, there's a card that from like, I think it was like a fusion card from back in the day that was just like a rock star, you, dude. You can't make a deck around Musician King, Chris. Yes, you can. No, you cannot. <laughs> just watch me. Okay, she's go ahead. The, she's the master of the Musician King deck. No, Her goal she's is to not f- going to be Johnny Steps. Her goal is to fuse it out and then cry because it's a 17. Because it's useless because it's got 1,700 base attack. 1,750? Fucking who cares? <laughs> I'll be like Johnny Steps and apply a metal morph to it so he can be the heavy metal king. Is this an actual character? Yes! Johnny steps from the filler episode where Taya and Yami go on a date and he and she beats him at DDR, so they have a duel. There you go, she'd be Johnny Steps. 
<laughs> Coda would use a beast deck because, of course, he fucking would. Adro, God, Hiroshima. Is there actually a fucking actually good rock archetype? I can imagine, you know what, he would actually probably like use something like uh, Magnet Warriors because that's a very classic, uh, you know, archetype that's not considered to be very good, but that uh, he would try his uh, hand at anyway because he's, you know, just a very kind of old school mentality kind of guy. What? Nick, you can buy Musician King online for only five cents? Well, yeah, because it's worthless. Well, that's not worthless, Nick. That's five cents. If I collect a hundred of those, I could buy a Coke. <laughs> Where the fuck do you get a five dollar Coke? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Ashido would use an alien deck and, and freak people out because it's, you know, aliens. Uh, I know that I, I'm not going to do all 20 of them. I'm sorry. There's 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 too many, but I, I've done more than 10 by this point. So there you go. You did far more than I would have. Someone's going to ask me in like a month which guild I think certain members from fucking Shonen Jump characters would be in Magic. And I'm going to be like, I don't know. They're all gruel. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, finally, fourth question here. Would you rather go out in public wearing Randy Savage's glasses or Zack Ryder's pants? Randy Savage's glasses. Yeah, I'm going to go with that as well. And people will look at me weird, but not as weird as if I had one leg with tights on and the other leg bare. But I will do the Zack Ryder thing if Zack Ryder's theme song plays behind me as I walk around. Oh, oh. radio, something, 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 something. I will believe every word. Just tell me so. There you go. Yeah. Great question, sir. More from the great rap so. Uh, oh, it's my turn to ask. Okay. In a world where Weekly Manga Recap is a manga, and our two leads are Nick Freeman, a genius out to protect, out to find the Pop-Tart of Tim, of time, gotcha, and Chris Larios, a young man who lost his family and seeks the honey mustard of life to bring them back, who unite in their efforts to stop the evil woodworking empire and their seven wooden pillars of doom. <laughs> I have a few questions about this world. First off, a while ago, you made a list of what role your co-host would fall into if you were in a manga. Most notably, Annalise was always your plucky, innocent team member, and Tech King 101 was your rival character. What would be the way that they're introduced, and what would be their arcs? Uh, Annalise's would be... Uh, her introduction would be that she hates us initially for disliking Black Clover, but then uh, we grow to understand and appreciate each other's differences in opinion. Mm hmm uh, and Techie 101 sets out to kill me because oh, yeah. I hate Bleach. Uh, but then he realizes that uh, there is value in our differences in opinions. It's a podcast manga, guys. You have to understand that discourse is a valuable <laughs> theme of the series. Oh, but our major opponents are the technology we have to use. So Discord and Skype are our major antagonists. Oh, they keep crashing on us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, second, who will make up the villain team, the seven, seven wood pillars? I don't know anything about wood. You make it up. <laughs> uh, We're not a woodworking podcast. Yeah. You that's... can't tempt us to hit them. <laughs> so they're giant question marks that are we just are like, <laughs> it's the seven pillars of wood. They're a lot more curvy Elm. than the pillars are. <laughs> Is El I just named professors from Pokemon. I'm like, it's Oak, Birch, Elm. Juniper. Um... 
Oh, what Ma- was this? Mahogany. <laughs> it's not mahogany. Stop saying mahogany. You just like saying mahogany because of Dragon Ball Z I'm bridge. Like, Ikea. It's not a wood. <laughs> Balsa. Fur. Those are trees. <laughs> Redwood. <laughs> that actually is a type of wood. Ah, no. Splinter. That's just a fragment of wood that you pierce your finger on. The most annoying type of wood. Uh, third, Chris's brother Mikey has returned from the dead to be used as a tool for the woodworkers. Oh no! How does Chris defeat his brother and his Mister Flabby style? <laughs> and how does this impact his character? So I'm trying to think. Like my brother would have to be defeated by his own hubris, which I assume is like he has like a giant vacuum-powered nose. <laughs> Like, his nose sucks everything up into, like, a black hole. But, like, at one point, like, I tell him, like, his shoe's untied or something like that. Oh, there's a penny on the ground. He gets super cheap and bends down to pick it up. But he, like, catches his legs in his nose vacuum and gets sucked up that way. Or, or like, uh, you make, like, a bad movie bet with him. Uh, Whoever loses the eating contest has to watch the bad WWE film. Yeah. (laughs) And the shock of it drives him back to being an ally. Uh, And it shockingly doesn't impact my character that much. I'm actually pretty okay with it and move on pretty quickly. I beat him in an eating contest. Yeah, I'm like, I won. (laughs) He sucks. Didn't have to watch The Chaperone. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have to watch Knucklehead. God. I'm not sure which of those would have been worse. (laughs) Fourth. What are your pairings throughout this adventure? Obviously, Nick and Chris occupy the Yowie ship. But what of the others? Uh, I mean, the only other, like, constant characters we've actually named are Tekin and Annalise, so I guess that's sure, why... I to get along. <laughs> I guess by default, that's the only other possible pairing. Oh, no, I, I, I totally One of those ship- ships with, I, like, a character, with, like, a set of characters that have nothing to do with each other, <laughs> except they're just both in the series. I ship Elm and Birch. <laughs> those two are meant for each other. Oh, God. All right. Interesting ride, great episode. Question from Pharrell the Gecko. Greetings, Nick and Chris. Uh, I'm a longtime fan, perhaps to an excessive extent, considering my top five most popular weekly manga recap running jokes. I wonder if that's popular. I feel like it should be in quotes. Uh, now I'll be able to watch it. The most frequently occurring was what the video was about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a question I want you to appear good, uh, on the opinions you guys have. During the podcast, Chris mentioned someone who put his own photo as a wallpaper on his phone. That was Sometimes, the- Oh, yes, my, my brother, my friend Jason. That was super cre- creepy. I agree with that. But I noticed how differently I respond to that when someone compared to some gamer who uses a screenshot of his character from MMORPG or a furry using a picture of their fursona. It feels much more acceptable, and I can't explain why. In reality... Yeah, that's... Yeah. In reality, the supposed examples revolve around avatars, which, repre- which uh, represent the people behind them. True, some w- uh, some go full wish fulfillment with them, but others still do identify with these characters, so why does that feel perfectly acceptable? Or is it creepy, and I'm just not sick for noticing? First and foremost, it's not creepy. You absolutely are free- feel free to feel that yourself is best represented through a fursona, or through uh, your character in an MMO, or anything like that. That's why those things exist. They're things that allow us to go beyond what our own imagination is, and you should do whatever feels comfortable as the best representation of yourself. My personal, personally, I sometimes Photoshop my head into Chris Evans holding that helicopter back from <laughs> Civil War, and I'm like, that's me. That's who I want to be. <laughs> um, but why those ones make more sense to you is the fact that it's not 
fueled by pure narcissism. The reason they represent those is often because those allow themselves to be in a part of themselves that they can't accept in the real reality of the world. You know, people have personas because they themselves are not fur people in real life like they want to be. Or they they pick their MMO character because they're like, I really wish I was a real wizard in real life, but I'm not. But in this game, I am. My friend Jason is a fucking narcissistic dickhead who picked a picture of himself. I'm great, so a picture of myself will do as all I need for my identity. Yeah, and he's like, I don't understand why you guys don't love yourselves nearly the same way I do. This is the same guy. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the podcast at all, but he came to my house the other day to build his D&D character and told me an elaborate story about how he's writing a Netflix series, like a, a, a show, and he wants to get to the final episode of it, and it, he wants us to be like a Game of Thrones level popular kind of series. And when the final episode comes up, it gets to the very, like, it's the main character climbing up to the top of a mountain to fight, like, the god boss of everything. And he climbs to the top, and the episode ends, and then he never does the follow-up episode. In fact, he leaves the country and then spends the next 20 years of his life taunting the fans for enjoying it, including <laughs> filming a scene of him burning the script of the episode that he wrote. And his last act is to die and have, like, a death switch activate that sets fire to everything <laughs> he's created for this show. In excruciating detail, he explained this to me. So my friend is not a normal person, and that's why it's not okay for him to picture of himself as the background of his phone. <laughs> that's like, that's like, that's like with uh, Ron Swanson. Oh, when they when like his ex wives are introduced in Parks and Rec, where he, like he wants his dying wish to be them visiting the, uh, him, so that he can tell them both with his final breath to go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. Just living in spite for something. And it's supposed to be a joke, but he actually feels that way <laughs> for the entire world of anyone who likes something that he would potentially create. <laughs> what a weird, like, I want to be famous so that I can hate my fans. <laughs> he's he's so, I, I cannot explain to you the levels to which this dude was that obsessed with this concept. I mean, I can totally understand, like, if having a sort of thing where you observe a reaction that people have to something and kind of wanting to piss people off for that, but to have it in that level of detail and to ha and hold it with any level of sincerity is pretty crazy. Okay. I can understand, you know, like going so far as to troll someone, but there's, I think only so far that you can actually go with the concept of, I want to piss people off with what I do with my fictional. Work. Oh, it, 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 like I, again, I cannot, it was like 30 minutes. He explained this process. 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. This was detailed. He has it all planned out. Then why doesn't he pitch it? <laughs> Because he's still writing the series, but he has his dreams already completed for what he wants to happen with this. Honestly, with a, with that level of detail, you'd feel like you could just live off of his imagination, honestly. Look, I love the guy. He's a fascinating individual, but he's a strange person. Honestly, up until you got to the point of, you know, like uh, uh, explaining your Captain America fantasy, that was a that was a perfect and very inspirational answer. Um, uh, and yeah, I agree. Like. Having something that you feel represents yourself to hold on to, uh, that's something that is, you know, specifically meaningful to you as, you know, a lock screen, something that you, it's, it's, it's like, you know, carrying like a charm around with you. It's something that, you know, may symbolically mean something to you. Uh, you know, 
that's kind of a lot like what lock screens are is like, it's like a locket or charm for people. You know, it's, it's so anything that you could imagine carrying around with you, whether it's, you know, an image of like even a character that you have created, if it's a symbol uh, of like a concept that means something to you, or if you're, you know, like me or 90% of dating people on the planet, it's, you know, a, a picture of, of someone you love, uh, then that makes sense. But can you imagine carrying a locket around with you that just has your own face staring back at you out of it? That's why it's weird. <laughs> so, that's that, that, that's about that. But is it? God, I'm so glad that that question got asked because that is crazy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Golan, dear Jolene Cujo, the ruler of Stone Free, and Enrico Pucci T. This is the month of love. It was sent to us in February 18th. Uh, so who would you screw, marry, kill between Urza, Lucy, and Juvia? Oh, oh I thought all three of them kill me. That's my fetish. <laughs> How did you know? Who told you? Interesting answer. Oh, God, that's hard. <laughs> that's why you answer with a joke answer, Nick, because it's a weird and uncomfortable question to answer legitimately. <laughs> I guess the most bearable to marry would be Lucy, and I would kill Urza. So there you go. Oh, you're just going to fuck Juvia and leave? Nick, she's damaged. You're a monster. She loves loves Grey, not me. And you're just going to go behind Grey's back and fuck his wife? You're a monster, Nick. They have a child together now. No, they don't. They're not even, like, in a relationship definitively at the end of that series. Hero Hero has drawn their son together. If you say so, it is real. I got, I found this out earlier today. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. They, he drew, uh, designs for what their son would look like and what Natsu and Grace or Natsu and Lucy's daughter would look like. Oh, then he's just teasing the fans, but that is yeah. kind, of, kind of adorable. Then I'll just go on to the next one. Since that was a quick yeah. one. Dear Nick, if I was really the ruler of time, then these questions would have been answered months ago. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And Chris, Duke Rolo, ruler of Normandy, Larios. I know Normandy is many things beyond it, but I assume he means the Normandy ship from Mass Effect, in which case, yes, I don't know why there's a Duke on board, but I would greatly appreciate being the ruler of the Normandy. Uh, Rolo of Normandy was a Viking who became the first ruler of Normandy, the region of France. That's so- very interesting. I like my version where I'm commanding a ship on Mass Effect that has fun and wacky characters in it. So there you go. But I do appreciate that actually being a historic reference. It's super cool. I think that it's a reference to Vikings, the uh, series, mm. but still cool. Yeah. Uh, I have a few questions for you. Biakia's flashback in Dr. Stone was good. Made him look cool. Look, made him look cool. But I feel that for plot reasons, he really dropped the ball. The 100 stories. Why only 100? Taught his descendants about animals and the names of minerals, but he failed to pass on any knowledge on farming, animal husbandry, basic hygiene, music, the actual history of mankind or writing probably would have been easier if he had stuck to English. If you're replaced in a situation like Biakia, where you're stuck on a desert island and have to pass on humanity's knowledge to the next generation so that there will be a functioning society around for when your boy Senku awakens, what would you do? What would you teach? Do you think that if you were the founder of new civilization, would your descendants still be hunter-gatherer cavemen after 3,700 years? Assuming they don't all die out due to inbreeding, of course. Well, to give Biakia some credit, he didn't understand how all of technology worked. Mm Mm-hmm. He knew all the stuff required for, uh, you know, to become an astronaut, which is a great deal of science. But in terms of being able to, like, invent things, 
probably would not have been all that great. And he did, you know, pass on seemingly a, a lot of very useful survival for survival skills. I think you have to understand that in terms of like being able to pass on information that people will easily remember, he did the best that he could because, hey, that society did last for, you know, close to 4,000 years. Yeah. More than you can say for a lot of modern societies for that matter. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty good stereo he created there. Uh, one thing that's been bugging me about My Hero Academia is that even though the series is supposed to take place five generations in the future, so at least 100 years from now, the setting is pretty much just modern Japan with some superhero stuff added in. Civilian technology hasn't changed. Cell phones and cars look exactly the same. Only heroes get sci-fi tech. Fashion hasn't changed. Culture hasn't changed beyond the addition of heroes. Society's values haven't changed. The value of the yen hasn't changed. Do you think this is for the best? Would adding too much futuristic stuff distract from the story? Or would delving more into how 100 years and the addition of superpowers would change society beyond just heroes and villains be more interesting? Did they ever say when the actual, like, first kid was actually, like, born? I don't remember. I, I've never really thought that there was or I never noticed there actually be, like, a confirming time frame for My Hero Academia. I always assumed it was meant to be in modern times. I mean, I know that you know, several generations definitely have passed since the first square was established and they, because they've, you know, become, um, you know, more common over time. Let's see. World timeline. Da, 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 da. And there's nothing. They just thank you. I hear academia for not actually putting anything down. Da, 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 da. Real life timeline. That's just fucking. OK, fine. You're worthless by hero academia. Wikia. Fuck you. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think that I don't remember. I don't specifically remember anything being established uh, in terms of when the first quirk was discovered. So it could have happened, you know, in like, you know, 1920 or something like that. So uh, that came, by the way, from Tom A. Thank you for the questions. He also asked about Mast. Have, Did he? Have you ever actually read have Mast? Have you ever read Mast or flipped through the bookstore? I saw it in a bookstore. Didn't didn't flip through it. Yep. Uh, I haven't even seen it in a bookstore. So next further ahead than I am. Uh, question here from Pheasant Tail. Dear Y Ruler, I'm the first non-Brazilian person to travel backwards through time. And Rolo, there's millions of dollars buried under a big T. This is Pheasant Tail again, and just as you two are not fond of horror manga, I'm not the biggest fan of horror movies. But I have been able to cobble together enough that I like to get an idea of which elements fuel my occasional enjoyment, and I wish were present more often. From the horror manga you guys have liked, so Tomei... Can you hazard a guess as to what horror manga could do more of to increase your enthusiasm for the genre? I guess it also depends on what you consider to be a horror manga. You know, uh, if you look at it broadly, I think that uh, Monster could, could be could be considered one. Enjoy that. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like psychological sort of horror. Like uh, I watched Unsane uh, when that was here. The, the one about like the woman in the insane asylum. And that's an extremely good movie in my mind. Uh, the horror movies I don't care for the ones like A Quiet Place or Truth or Dare like the stuff that's like horror in a traditional sense like there's monsters out to get us the ones I can enjoy are the ones like a Freddy or Jason or something where there's like almost like a super villain-esque monster in there that has a ton of detail to them that you could just like kind of latch onto as almost the mascot of the series because it's almost like a superhero series in my mind like it's just a big character that you can like build mythology around and stuff like that and that's something I just kind of find cool but like general concepts of like horror movies like the insidious stuff just doesn't do anything for me. You know, like like that sort of stuff just never is going to interest me the same way because I don't like 
being scared or stuff that's trying to mm-hmm. actively scare me like that. I like being made to feel unnerved. I like being made to feel tense and like claustrophobic and things that can play on my fear, but I don't like actively something being like boo or something like that. It just doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Pretty um, much the same. Uh, question two. Now we have established that what the defeatist old man from Dr. Stone will be like in one piece. What about the other weekly series? Okay. So, <laughs> so I had to stop because I came up with the one that I'm like, oh, this is I don't I'm not comfortable with this. And I realized that the defeatist old man and we never learned is just an incel. <laughs> where he's just like, <laughs> I'm never gonna get laid, so fuck all women. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh no. I don't like uh, him anymore. Honestly, I like the idea of him somehow ending up being the uh, tutor designated to Rizu and Fumino at the beginning of the series. This is pointless. <laughs> It's in one chapter. It's like, but you're bad at English and you're good at science. Just do that. (laughs) In fact, don't try to go to college at all. It's a waste of money and leads to nothing but disappointment. (laughs) Credits. (laughs) Fumino like starts imparting him about her backstory in terms of figure skating. Like, oh, of course you gave up. There's no money to be found in that. (laughs) I don't even like figure skating. It's dumb and no one should do it. Tell your sister to give up now. <laughs> She's not going to win a gold medal already, so there's no point. God. Dreams are pointless. Why do you bother? Think about how long it's going to take to get to the end of the world. We lost Akuma. Let's not even get back together, guys. <laughs> he like shows up in Food Wars and he's like just the judge at every competition. He's like, this isn't what I wanted. It just put, throws it away. <laughs> I want a sandwich. There's still crime in this world. Why do we even bother trying to be superheroes? <laughs> Promise Neverland. Oh, you kids just go and get eaten. My feet hurt. <laughs> Someone take care of me. <laughs> And if you're not taking care of me, go get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, okay. I think that about covers it. <laughs> Basically. Uh, I want to make this maybe the last one here. Uh, from Andre Golden. Well, let's do, I guess we'll do a couple of Andre uh, Golden's. Uh, maybe I'm two. in the wrong spot. I, I have enough four. I got two, two in a row from Andre Golden here. Okay. So. Oh. Oh. I've somehow missing like a month's worth of questions. Why don't you read them, Chris? <laughs> okay. Uh, question here from not. I don't, I'm not seeing any from Mar- from March or April for some reason. Huh. All right. Uh, dear Y ruler of a world we must defend. Pokemon gotta catch them. A heart to chew. There's a connection between me and you. The world we live in is a zoo. Something big can eat you. Arcan hand to chew. I gotta look this up. Take over for me, Chris. You teach me and I'll teach you Pokemon. That's it. So uh, that's the intro he put for us. <laughs> there Interesting. You go. This is not for to me. New Year's resolution with myself. Not one of those impossible ones like going to the gym regularly, but a doable one. I told myself I'd ask you guys some questions I've been putting off for a while. This is one I've been meaning to ask you since you guys said you'd rather have a Pokemon as a pet rather than a Digimon. If you could, in your real actual life, have a Pokemon as a pet, which two Pokemon would you want? I ask what two because when I ask this question, half of the answers are one of the starters. So you can pick one starter and one non-starter as your pets. 
Also, your Pokemon can evolve in this situation. Oh. So, one starter. That's tough. Um, I can't have a pet in my apartment, you guys. <laughs> Especially one that's going to set things on fire. I I think I'd want... I think I want, like, a Poochiena to a Mightyena as my non-starter Pokemon. Because I like Poochiena and Mightyena. Like, I think they're both super cool. Um... Man, I don't know which one I take as my star. That's a really tough question because there's a lot of really good ones. Um, okay. I'm, I'm gonna go with Squirtle. I, I'm not super happy with that answer, but I'm gonna go with one. I'm gonna pick one. I'm gonna go with Squirtle. Uh, Litten. Yeah, that's cat. that's another one I was considering. Firecat. Um, and uh, I would go with Umbreon for my non-starter. Fucking Eevee, loser. Umbreon is adorable. Fuck you. That is, I'm not denying it. I'm just saying you went with an Eevee one. You have all the options then. Um, I chose specifically what the evolved form was. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Uh, thank you for the question. Not four. It's a good one. And another question here from Geminia999. Hello, Nick. Nickelodeon, the name for old theaters, not the channel. Fuck Freeman. You. Hey, said the Nickelodeon for the name for old theaters, not the channel. Freeman. Don't care. And Chris Talkies Larios. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Gollum Hearts had its 15th and final chapter. I'm kind of bummed, uh, I'm kind of bummed out that it really get a chance to shine. It just seemed to never click with the audience from getting any votes. From the three chapters you read, if you can remember, why do you think this series failed to catch the attention with audiences? While I'm a fan of what we ended up getting, I still don't see, I still don't see how it didn't seem to catch anyone's attention. And in case you guys don't remember what those chapters were like at all, uh, what would you consider an ideal way to hook people up into the series with those pivotal opening chapters? I think part of it was that it uh, kind of quickly lost the element that was making it unique. Uh, so it just didn't really stand out very much after that point. I think it was a series with a lot of emotion to it, but not a particularly interesting setting and battle mechanic to it. Like, I think the Gollum thing could work, but it needed to be it, it just it had a very old aesthetic to me, which I think makes it a little bit hard to initially get into. And just didn't have enough of what I think makes other series nowadays work in the same way. Like, I think if you were trying to, like, capture more of, like, an audience, like, Black Clover, you should have made, like, the kid more hot <laughs> in a way. Like, you, you want to, like, get the fangirls. If you wanted it to be a more, like, uh, action-paced kind of series, it needed to be, like, a darker kind of world. Not, like, super dark, but it was a very, like, almost like a children's storybook kind of world when you look at it in some ways. Um, I think it had a lot of potential. It just it, it didn't have, I think, the it factor it needed to. <laughs> and uh, let me see where the next. I actually uh, I just went back to the main folder so I can actually read stuff now. OK. Well, so I guess we could like finish up the month of February then. All right. So do you have this one from Julian? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Or thank That's you, Base James. Sorry. So, yes, from Thank You Base James, Dear Nick, Trances with Wolves, Freeman, and Nacho Man, Chris Larios. Interesting. Hope this message finds you well. I've got a general nonsense to talk about, so let's get started. Uh, let's see here. Uh, news for a comic book fan, I hate Peter Parker. Really hate him. Basically what Nick feels for Edges and why I feel for Parker. As such, I've spent too much of my life thinking about how I would kill the character off and then replace him with someone, anyone else. My question is, if you had to kill off a prominent character, protagonist, or major supporting character from any of the series you read, who would it be? 
How would you do it? Asta, I get his head stuck in a honey pot, an unbreakable honey pot, <laughs> and he never escapes. Honestly, I feel at this point that Yuno would probably be better off as like an ideal that Asta is trying to live up to as opposed to a constant bland rival. You know, he seems so one note that he makes more sense as like an idealized memory of a character more than an actual living person. Mm, very true. Uh, dies tragically. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Heart attack. It's, it's sad or something. Yeah. <laughs> Question two. Series I came across recently called Ginga Nagaburoshi Gin. Shown about manga for the 80s about a dog who runs away from home. We heard about this last time, actually. Uh, in order to form a back of the strongest stray dogs in Japan for the purpose of tracking down and revenge murdering the psychotic brown bear that killed his father and grandfather. There's a fucking ninja dog in there. Got to thinking if you could make a series starring any of the animal characters from any of the manga you've read, who would it be and what would be the premise of the story? Uh, it would be the adventures of Hawk. And it would be uh, Hawk going around. Having adventures as the strongest warrior in the world. Uh, I don't have a manga, but I do have an answer for this. Uh, so in the game Life is Strange, you play a bunch of hipster teenagers who complain about a lot of stuff. But there's a very, very adorable dog called Pompadou who you can be friends with. Pompadou. He's He's got some violent tendencies, but he's a good dog. And, uh, you know, the end of the game, spoilers, is like a complete fucking craziness thing where like you have to either sacrifice your fucking love interest or an entire town and i like to think the example where you destroy the entire town is what happens and then pompadou is the story of pompadou surviving in this post-apocalyptic wasteland until he finds another loving home that takes care of him because uh that town was full of dickheads okay then Christian three a few years ago i was reading a manga called maho shoujo of the end we uh we read that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually reached a stopping point, never got back around to it until last week, perused the most recent chapters and was unprepared for the levels of insanity that had cropped up in that series while I hadn't been reading it. True magical girls versus fake magical girls. Time travel. Possession. The deaf kid was really the bad guy all along. Except psych. No, he isn't. And most disturbing of all, rape cop is still alive. Well, of course he is. And he's got a fangirl. There's no question here. I just need to express my confusion to someone. Okay. Series, uh, question four. The series Ajin goes through a pretty jarring tonal shift early on in its run. I recently found out the reason for this. The original author decided to leave the project, so writing duties were taken over by the artist, and that guy decided to do his own thing. What do you think the results would, thematically and character-wise, be if another mangaka abruptly took over a series that wasn't theirs before the conclusion of the first big story arc, but after the point where the world and the main characters have been established? It gives us the examples of what if Araki took over uh, writing for Black Clover, mm-hmm. which would be that series would get a lot weirder. Uh, and Togashi took over for Bleach, which is to say it wouldn't have ever ended because it would still be on hiatus. <laughs> I can't I'm, I'm trying to even comprehend what Togashi's version of Bleach would be because he's so much of like a deconstructionist when he comes to writing like a shonen adventure series. It would almost be like the second half would be a critique of Bleach itself and all the tropes it created. Like he'd spend seven chapters explaining someone's new Bankai and then they would never get used. Or like characters would just have like extremely weird and baroque kind of story arcs that don't really go anywhere and then just sort of end and the expectation you're left with is like oh i guess that's just not what always has to happen in a shonen series mm. i don't know i uh, 
There's always the question of like, how, what would a series be like if someone took it over? Uh, uh, it's a very broad question for one thing, because, you know, pick any manga and pick any artist. And then it's like, well, it would be very different because it would be a different author. So, yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, that's all for now. Don't die. Sincerely, thank you, Base James. Um, thanks. Yeah. And then uh, let's just finish up with one from Andre Golden. Then Andre Golden, dear, why the ruler of Thundermans and Henry Danger T? Uh, (laughs) way back in 2016, Q and A, you guys said you wanted to have a Toy Story and Monster Inc. in Kingdom Hearts three. In February, the new trailer for Kingdom Hearts three drops by. My question is, what parts of Kingdom Hearts three are most excited about? Oh, was there a new trailer for Kingdom Hearts 3? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So it would, uh, yeah, there's a like Toy Story, Kingdom Hearts, and, and Monsters Inc. worlds in it, and those look super cool. Uh, the part about Kingdom Hearts 3 I'm most excited about is that it may actually one day be a game that people can play. I'm really <laughs> excited at that prospect. It seems unthinkable, but maybe one day we'll actually get to play it. Well, how, how long ago did Kingdom Hearts 2 actually come out? It was 2005! God. <laughs> it's been fucking forever! It's, so when are we getting uh, Half-Life 3, guys? <laughs> Let's see here. But they so don't they, they don't keep teasing fucking Half-Life 3. It's right. just a thing that never happens. Kingdom Hearts 3 has been in development for fucking 12 years. Jesus Christ. It was three years between Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, and it's going to be 13 years between 2 and 3. Yes, if it actually comes out this year. If it actually comes that's out. still not a guarantee. Oh, you gotta love development hell, don't you? <sighs> yeah, well. All right. Oh, Chris, I just realized. Do you know where it was? What? We never actually asked each other questions or the audience question. It's fine. We'll we'll handle that next time. Okay. All right, that's gonna do it for our Q and A. Do we have Do we have anything else we want to say, or do we want to wrap it up here? Uh, five steps to go. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it, guys, for our Q&A. We'll catch you next time. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-da.